comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. Hey guys, out now is a film podcast. As Abe and I discussing new movies weekly, we also discuss the latest movie trailers, box office results, and predictions. A uh, callback to past film or yeah, past films that have to do with the main film of the week, games, other fun stuff. This is kind of a special episode this week because. There were some new releases out, but nothing that seemed like warranted a full episode. So we decided to just kind of do uh, kind of a free-for-all. We're going to talk about some of the movies that have come out recently, such as like Expendables 2 and Premium Rush and what have you. But we'll just kind of go into other movies as well and address random topics, because why not? Seems like a cool idea at the time. We'll see if it's a success. Joining us for this experimental episode, uh, we have writer for Fast Film Reviews, BMX bike racing champion and KFC lover Mark Hoban. Hello, everybody. <laughs> All those things, huh? <laughs> Writer for Damn Dirty Blog, a true enemy of the state, Jordan Grout. Mm, hello. And writer for The Examiner, the newest, youngest, and worst new member of The Expendables, Marcus Robinson. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so much excitement. I, yeah. <laughs> I love it. How is everyone doing tonight? Great. I feel Very good. Refreshed. You feel, you feel the rush? Is that what you said? feel the rush. <laughs> it's a premium, premium rush. rush. Yes. <laughs> All right. So um, before we jump into whatever the hell we're going to talk about for the next hour or so, we have a few things. Uh, hey, we got some we got some emails and stuff. I got one that I forgot to read the other week. But, um, we didn't get a couple emails. We got, yeah. We got well. We had contest winners, and I ma- actually I mailed out all prizes to our co- previous week's contest winners. Um, the Born contest is still open, though. For anybody that hasn't listened to our Born Legacy episode yet, there is a contest that's associated with that episode, and people can still win. People that have not won before, I should add, but people can win that contest. Uh, but Abe, your mm-hmm. your true front for your true fan, Dion Thompson. Had yeah, a I love that man. He, he had a response for loyal listener Mike Blakemore, who constantly berates. Abe for, you know, being around. Dion is on the exact opposite because all he has in this email says, Damn Mike Blakemore! More Abe! (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Dion. (laughs) We're not promoting fights, but thank you, Dion. (laughs) I like like the idea of fights between the fans of our show. (laughs) And uh, we have have one winner, or not winner, but we have one uh, email from Kyle Ross, who had previously won our contest, but he had an answer for what is your favorite spy movie. And, um, Oh my god, it starts amazingly already. Hey, Aaron and Abe, sort of. 
grave. Big fan of the show. I know we probably won't win this since I've already won previously, but I thought I'd just send my answer anyway. My favorite spy movie is Goldfinger because 007 is the best franchise about a spy and is by far the best Bond film. I love Pussy Galore, and Pussy is in italics and underlined and in bold. It's none of those things. <laughs> that's, but... not... <laughs> that's not true at all. <laughs> like, I don't think that it was that vulgar of an email. <laughs> but thank, thank you, Kyle Ross, for that email. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so yeah, if, you know, if anyone wants to send out questions, emails, comments, whatever our way, you know, outnowpodcast at gmail.com or just hit up our Facebook page or Twitter at outnow, outnow underscore podcast <laughs> or Facebook, Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. You know, we're happy to read just ridiculous statements on the air, just like the one from loyal listener Mike Blakemore and Dion Thompson. So, okay, next thing. Oh, our summer wager. Mark, you were a part of our summer wager. Yes. Abe, obviously, is a part of the Summer Wager. I am, of course, friend of the show, Adam Gentry and Alan Aguilera. We are all part of the Summer Wager. Some of us were supposed to be, but we're out that day, Jordan. But um, it's coming. uh, Summer is wrapping up pretty soon here. I think if I can work this out with everybody, because, you know, we all have schedules to keep, I think Labor Day, we will try to record the Summer Wager wrap-up and uh, see how all that turned out. I think... There are two, like, Labor Day weekend's, like, kind of the official weekend that it kind of ends for, in terms of how I have this contest going, because I have to tally up all the points and everything. But there's still a chance for certain things to switch in the uh, final rankings for the top ten of the summer. So we'll see how that plays out, and uh, then I'll, you know, I'll do all the tabulations and what have you, and hopefully I'll get all the guys back on, and we'll kind of have another episode regarding our summer wager, if anyone wants to know what I'm talking about, I guess. Our summer wager was where we, each of us, Abe, myself, Mark, Adam, and Alan, we all picked what we thought would be the top 10 most successful films of the summer, domestic box office-wise, and made a top 10 list. And so we'll, uh, there's an elaborate point system for how that's going to work out. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see who comes out on top. Abe's got, maybe has an advantage because he's the only one that picked Avengers to be the number one film of the summer. But we'll see. There's a lot of other things that happened. So. There's a lot of other stuff that happened this summer that nobody expected. So, I mean... Yeah. Ted is just one example. Yeah. Ted is one example. And I believe I'm the only one that had that as a dark horse. But, uh, yeah. And Magic Mike. And Magic Mike was a beaut. Yeah, there you go. But nobody nobody picked Magic Mike. Nobody picked Magic Mike, no. I don't think so, yeah. <laughs> no, because I would have remembered that. That was, that was certainly a big surprise. But we'll go over all that next whenever we can figure that one out, when we can do that episode. We'll figure that out. Uh, oh, uh, iTunes reviews and ratings. Always good to get those. Helpful. Helps the show out. Easy to do. Really cool with we do that we've gotten like some recently actually which was pretty cool so yeah yeah it's really quick it's cool to read those they're always very nice but next time i get a new, when we get a new one i'll read them i'll read some of them they're always nice um okay let's do a box office real quick abe uh just because we're not gonna it's not a tr- traditional show so let's get it out of the way last week i think we all just tried right. to pre- we tried to predict what we thought would be number one for the weekend do you remember what you predicted to be number one i did well i just said paranorman because uh i wasn't really too sure i just wanted people to go see paranorman <laughs> I uh, like your thinking. Nice. Uh, let's see. I said, I said premium rush because I'm like, why not? Uh, <laughs> You're a little far off. A little far off. Uh, Liz said the Expendables because she's sensible, and uh, I think what Sean said. Did Sean also say Expendables? I think Sean said Expendables. Liz said premium or Paranorman, like I did. I can't remember. That's that sounds fine. Whatever. It doesn't matter. We didn't we didn't really try very hard for the box office last week because we didn't really care. That said. This was the lowest ranking box office weekend of the year in terms of the wow. money made. <laughs> wow. But it's always like that at this time. It is. That's not certainly not a 
not a first for the the weird weekends in August where nothing really comes out and it's kind of like well, let's wait till award season and have all these doldrum movies. But here we go. Um, Expendables came in. Expendables two came in number one, thirteen million. Then Born Legacy. Then Paranorman, holding strong enough. The Campaign, Dark Knight Rises. I think that made a few bucks. Uh, the Odd Life of Timothy Green. Then Premium Rush, all the way in seventh place. Wow. Um, let's see. 2016 <laughs> Obama's America came in at number eight. <laughs> um hope springs that wasn't even on my radar i didn't even know about that one <laughs> uh-huh. yep hope springs Just came under premium rush um hit and run came in number 10 and uh, the apparition came in at number 12 guys so wow i think we'd have be we might need to race out to theaters to see that one uh, just because I like to continue to bring it up, Total Recall could use the bomb out of theaters in the 14th place. Uh, <laughs> I will make fun of Total Recall all the time. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. basically I was way off my premium brush because they did not want to market that movie, apparently, because it's not bad. Let's talk about that first, actually. Let's do that. Let's get into premium brush. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be great. I got a package for you. 90 minutes, premium rush. Hey! That envelope you picked up, I gotta ask for it back. Who are you? Not your problem. Yeah, the thing is, once it goes in the bag, it's gotta stay in the bag. You got a name? Family? People who care if they see you again? Who are you, man? Go! Wiley, tell me where you are. Wiley? What did you do to me, man? What the hell am I carrying? You got involved with some people with real problems. It's life and death. You have no idea what's coming for you. I got him. I almost got my ass killed three times in the last 20 minutes. or another we all get hit sometimes we gotta hit back okay so that was some of the trailer for premium rush <laughs> 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 um who, who saw this movie i saw this movie abe you saw the movie? i didn't see this movie yes mark you've seen this movie yes and is that it have marcus and jordan not seen premium rush not yet yeah i haven't seen it okay so for anyone that is not aware premium rush is a story of a bike messenger played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt who gets a package that may be of some questionable quantity, quality, or whatever, because Michael Shannon's... Yeah, contents. That's a, that's a better word. Way better word. Thank you, Abe. Yeah, Michael Shannon's a dirty cop, and he desperately needs to get whatever the contents of this package are back from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. What ensues is a crazy bike chase, crazy chases involving bikes and cars and what have you across New York City through the course of a couple hours in one day. Lots of bike stunt hijinks ensue. Abe, what did you think of Premium Rush? Uh, it's really fun. I found it to be really fun. I, th- I also found it to be very uh, funny as well. I think the performances that everybody gave, like especially Michael Shannon, which we were talking off air about, it's just, it's so wacky wild, and it's really funny. Uh, Jordan was talking about it, alluding it to it earlier, but the bikey sense is amazing, especially that they let everything we will, play out. Let's let's get yeah, we'll get to this. We will get to yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, we'll, we'll dig into it some more. Right. Mark, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I really liked it. I mean, it's nothing great, and it's one of these movies that you sort of walk in thinking it's not going to be that great, 
And to be honest, it, it isn't like, you know, the most innovative movie I've ever seen. However, it is a lot better than I expected, given the title, for example. I mean, Premium Rush, that is just such a generic title. It kind of reminds me of 1994 was this year. They had a whole bunch of action movies, Deadly Ground, Terminal Velocity, Drop Zone. All those came out in the same year. And it's kind of it's like that kind of a film, you know. I mean, it sounds like that title. But it it was really like I I thought it was really well done. I mean, it was like I was on the edge of my seat and like I actually was like flinched a few times when I was watching some of the action sequences and stuff. So I mean I think it definitely got me involved. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment exactly. Like it's fun and it's like it, it it's yeah, it's rather forgettable, but like while you're watching it, you're like into it. And yeah, I was like flinching as well because like Regardless of whatever stunt people or CG trickery they use to make this movie, it looks like there are bikes weeding through traffic, and that was very effective because I'm, like, moving around in my seat like, oh, man, there's bike things happening. Like, this is crazy. And then, yeah, you have, like, this – this it's basically a cartoon. Like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's name is Wiley. <laughs> Pretty much. His name is Wiley, like Wiley Coyote. Like, that movie, the movie's like, they even referenced it. <laughs> yeah, they reference it. And Michael right. Shannon is off the walls in this movie. I like Michael Shannon, who like gave one of my favorite performances of the past decade in Take Shelter last year. I love seeing him in this movie just being like a cartoon character. You know, like, this, you know Michael Shannon is like the new Christopher Walken. He, yeah, yeah, I would agree he with that. He's yes. totally like that guy, you know? The, the thing Michael Shannon did that like cracked me up is his eyes like he he knows how to bug him out. There's scenes where like he's like he's like oh hey you and his eyes like his eyes get like super huge as he's like trying to draw attention and he has all the like Abe you were doing the sounds like he's doing a little. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Michael Shannon's just like amazing. Okay, so let's let's get to bike vision. Okay. What the movie is not advertised, which seems like it's ace in the hole to me. Like, this seems like the reason that it's number seven and not number one is because they did not emphasize that Wiley has superpowers. No one, like, <laughs> right. thought, I didn't know this going in, but he has superpowers. He, he was bitten by a radioactive bike. Yeah, the, apparently, because <laughs> when, when uh, you guys, okay, so Marcus and Jordan, you have not seen this movie. So when, when, when Wiley's, when he's, when he crosses an area where he, like, there's multiple situations that he can, like, choose from for how to ride his bike and weave through traffic. He has the ability to stop time and figure out each, what each inevitable conclusion of that situation is. So you'll see, him, like, it'll it'll show, like, the intersection in cars or whatever. Then it'll zoom in on his eyes, and it'll be, like, bikeway one. And, like, it shows, like, a little path going through the road, and it shows him riding through that road, and then, like, a car will hit him or it'll hit something. And then he's like, okay. Yeah, what I liked about it a lot was that they actually showed that he was going to get hit, and what a terrible hit it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's, gonna, yeah, it's not going to be good news. So then they go to option yeah. two, and it's, like, just as bad. And then option three is, like, the clear way to go. Like, that, the, that's the way It was funny. It's, like, there were times where he gets hit all three times, and he's like, well, this hit is not as bad, so I'll choose that one. <laughs> like that movie, uh, Next, with, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Next, it's Next and uh, Prince of Persia combined. Like, that's... <laughs> There's even, like, one hit where it reminds me of, like, Meet Joe Black, where yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, like, a double car hit, yeah. and I was like, oh, man, that is that is brutal. Yep. <laughs> That's amazing. But, yeah, if... But it's really fun. It is. No, the movie's... Yeah, the movie's really enjoyable, like, I, and it's, like, 90 minutes. Like, it's really... It's just... It's a quick, fun movie, and I was, I was happy to have been able to see it. I... <laughs> I I'm happy Joseph Gordon-Levitt has, like, the ability to, like, you know, not be in, like... Given, like, he's been moving into, like, some dark movies, what have you, lately, like, it's nice to see... Right, this was kind of a change of pace. Yeah, this is a nice, light-hearted romp. <laughs> Man, he's taking it to the wrong people. I tried to call him, but he won't pick up. I'm on it. I'll get him. 
No, it's my fault. You don't need to get involved. Well, it's on my way home anyway. Just tell me where you are. Maybe the situation sucks. I don't want you anywhere near it. Hey, Jersey, you want to move your SUV? You know how sexy you are when you talk like that? Wiley? I'll call you when I deliver. Wait. Count on it. <laughs> it, what I like about the like it's sort of like little GPS lines or whatever that show the pathways that he can take. They're not yeah. like overly CGI'd moments, but they're definitely interesting enough Stylish. that they kind yeah. of like engage you. Yeah. yeah. Stylish. It's but, like the movie felt to me like like a like a toned down version of Crank. That's kind of the attitude I had. Right, it. right. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's not absolutely. about like going over the top and being crazy on PC and what have you. It's a, it's just like it's it's a nonstop adrenaline movie, but it's like fun for pretty much anybody to go and see, given you that you want yeah, to see. Yeah, and the movie. there's like a the premise is not that difficult to comprehend either. There's like, there's too much plot in the movie. That was my main problem with it. Like I don't there need, was too much plot. There was too much plot. Yeah, I didn't. I, have, I think that there was like a point of the plot that I didn't really like, which is basically the main too, one. There's too much. You know plot. what? Involving Jamie Chung and her like hilarious yeah, yeah, character, like, like where she plays like speaks in complete broken yeah. a, broke, broken broken English. Yes, <laughs> that was obvious. she obviously was somebody who, I could just look at her and tell she can speak perfect English, but she's like faking it. Yeah, oh, man. I kept thinking that was going to be like a twist in the movie where she speaks like perfect English. Right, <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> I, I would have liked that more if I had to suffer through all of her plot. Then then she reveals that she actually speaks perfect English. <laughs> that would have been like a really fun tongue-in-cheek kind of moment. I did like but... my Cannon's backstory though. You get, like the movie. Okay, so the movie like it um it it plays around with time. It's not necessarily linear, and so like you kind of start out, you start out kind of in media res, and you jump back a couple hours, and then you follow the plot, and then you kind of go to the other characters and what they what led up to where they are. So you get to like Michael Shannon's character, and it like jumps back like seven hours, and you just like see why he needs to do the things he does. And it's it that stuff with Michael Shannon, it kind of found entertaining, and you kind of. It, so did you like that the I, way like it, it jumped around Pulp Fiction style? Did you like that? I liked it in this movie. I th I think yeah. it, I would have. I, I mean, the the only other option is to see like a, a half hour of Jamie Chung's backstory that's really boring, and then followed by a half hour of Michael Shannon's story, and then you get to yeah. the present time. Like, I, I mean, I it it, did, it definitely added interest to the story, but I do feel like they were kind of taking a, basically what is a pretty simple story, and then saying, well, it's so simple, we better tell it out of order so that it's at least a little more interesting. So then they kind of like told it a little bit out of order, at least in the beginning. And I don't know if it was really necessary, but I mean, it, I, I didn't fault the movie for it, but right. I, it, it was a simple story basically at heart, but they kind of made it complicated. That I mean, that's what I was saying to begin with, where I think there's right. too much plot because I don't really I don't I wish the MacGuffin became just stayed a MacGuffin like it didn't matter. Basically, right. basically, I wish I Jamie Chung wasn't in this movie. Actually. That's... <laughs> all, all there's this envelope, and it has a ticket, and they all want it. Yeah. That's basically yeah. That's like, if it was just that, like, and, like, I guess at the end, you're like, surprise, this is what it meant. Like, that would have been fine, but I didn't. That would have been fine, yeah. I, I wish I, I, I just I think I they kind of delve into it a lot toward the third act, and it kind of gets a little bit deeper. And for me, I was just like, well, this kind of is a bummer because it's fun just being a chase movie in itself. Right. But now there's, like, this element that's added for, I guess, emotional stakes, and that was fine, but at the same time, I could have done without it. Yeah. Is Go. most of it um, this chase yes. sequences yes. and stuff like yes. that? Okay. Yes. Is it kind of like uh, Unstoppable, where it's like the trailer looks so, and the premise seems so boring, and you go there, and you're, it's just a simple thing, you know, made I, really, really well? I would, I would, I can agree with that. I can see where you're coming from on that. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, I I would agree with that statement. Yes. Okay. I think Unstoppable. I think I probably like that a little better. But yeah, uh, I would, yeah, I like Unstoppable okay. more than this movie. But I mean, for in terms of what Marcus was just saying, of 
you get the idea of what it's going to be and you'll go in, you see it. And yeah, it ended up being simple, but like entertaining. Yes. I would agree with that for the most part. What's weird is like, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Well, it seems like we all, all three of us really enjoyed this movie. So I was wondering why would they have to push it back? So like they pushed it back about three or four times. So I was really confused. As they to pushed maybe... it back one day. It was going to come out in January. They pushed it back to August. Like, it's... Did they? Yeah, that was it. Or did they move like March and then like... No, it was only, like, it was January like, to August. That was the only move they made. January to August? Okay. Yeah. All right. I would say, well, I would if, given the way that the movie performed, I think they probably should have released it in January. They should have, yeah, yeah, because I, I think it was just, it, it just, it didn't perform well, and I think it deserves a better audience. It's weird because, like, yeah. I think there's there's two I there's two like opposing ideas as to why they pushed it to August. One is that they didn't think that it would do well, even though it turned out the critics loved it because it has like a set high seventies on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, and like. Yeah, but also yeah. I think they could. They might have been thinking that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's star might arise enough for the people to for more people to want to see it after like Dark Knight Rises and before Looper's coming. I thought out. about that too. Like, you brought oh, that up yeah. Last. yeah, it's it, yeah. you know it's coming out after Dark Knight Rises, so you know the world has seen Joseph Gordon-Levitt and it's and Looper, right. and Looper has a, a fairly good marketing campaign. It's building strong buzz. I'll say that. So it, I mean, I think it's coming out at a time where people might be like they, they're aware enough of Joseph Gordon-Levitt where they want to see apparently that wasn't the case. I, I agree <laughs> with you, Aaron, though, that I like the fact that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt did this movie. It's not like, you know, it's not uh, like 50-50. It's not like Dark Knight. It's it's very lightweight, but it's still it, it's a decent film. Like I can understand why they were able to attract him and Michael Shannon to the the roles because it, it is a fun movie yeah so right. yeah, yeah. I, I like I agree with, I agree with that sentiment I don't it's think everything has to be a throwaway deep. film yeah yeah it's not too deep and it's not a throwaway film where it's just like oh yeah well nobody's gonna watch this I can wait for DVD or it's just gonna be on TV it's actually a pretty entertaining film and I'm glad that uh, everyone kind of took it well, I, not crazy serious but you know it was it was well produced and well made. I guarantee that it's going to be on like you know USA or FX for like years. People are going to be like, yeah, I love that movie. I'll watch it. Like, it'll be one of Premier Rush. It'll be one of those. Premier Rush is on. Let's watch this, guys. Let's all sit down. Like, let's all drink our four loco. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on to something else. Let's move on to the Expendables. Expendables deuce. Six pounds of pure plutonium is powerful enough to change the balance of the world. Imagine what five tons would do. You're gonna need more men if you expect to get out of here alive. I'm back. You can't let the contents of that safe fall into the wrong hands. What's the plan? Track them, find them, kill them. Oh man, this film. Yeah. And... This film I feel is just like one big joke. <laughs> Where whereas I feel like okay, the first film came out and it was it was too serious for what it was supposed to it be. It was, agreed. And I feel like okay, they got Simon West to come on and he was like, guys, 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 this is how you're supposed to approach it. Director of Con Air, Simon West. And and they went along with it and it works like beautifully. It it, it is like one big stupid joke though. And I think that's why it works though. That's why it works. Oh, I like yeah. the jerkiness of it, but I didn't really like the film overall. I thought it was really boring in between. What? Uh, for real. I, and I really liked all the banter and all the stupid Chuck Norris jokes about, like, the snake and five year, or five 
Twice. <laughs> but it's just, I, I found it really boring without... found it really boring. You found this really boring? Not, cr- it wasn't crazy entertaining. I, I Again, like, Did I you saw like- Premium Rush and I saw this and I was like, uh... Wow. But I thought this was so entertaining. Like, the whole time, I was just smiling. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I fall into that camp. I was, the, the problem I had, as George was saying with the Prince Expendables, is that it's really serious, and it's not, like, the movie that you want it to be. Expendables mm-hmm. 2 is the movie that I wanted Expendables 1 to be, and I was completely yeah. satisfied. I mean, I'm not about to say it's a great movie, and I, it's, it's really stupid. It's a really stupid movie. It's a dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb movie, and... There's nothing that makes me want to watch it again, really, unless I had like I don't know a large a large group of people and you know no other thing to do. But with that said, I had a lot of fun watching it for the one time. Like it's it uh it satisfied me in ways that I wanted to satisfy me, which means can, it yeah. Can I, <laughs> Phrasings hashtag arch. <laughs> can I may, maybe the writing in this was so self-awareingly bad that mm-hmm. it was really well written I, I i okay i may be like lampooned for for saying this but there's a scene in 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 the film where he has uh, uh, uh stallone is is proceeding over this eulogy and saying the most absurd <laughs> like oh this is not how you treat your fellow man and stuff like that doing this absurd absurd speech and there's yeah. no way that he's writing this and not playing it for laughs. So I think it's it's verging on a really interesting satire, and that may be going too far. I mean, I mean, I really like I, I think I liked it more than yeah. you guys did, but I I think it was really well written. It knew what it was. It was super self aware, and that's what pushed it. Uh, aside from the the fact they took the camera out of Sloan's hands. It pushed it over the, the, the top for me. I think I, I would agree with you that it's very self-aware, but not it's not self-aware in a smart way. If it was self I think I think Stallone's just I think it's Stallone's the only one that didn't seem to be in on the joke. Like he's the only one that's like really like playing it up. Because <laughs> everyone else he's, he's very aware. Everybody's like he he's laying except for Dolph Lundgren or or, or Oh Dolph know. Lundgren is he, oh, he has, an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, see he has they have some funny parts, but I think Stallone was playing the Stallone character of those past films. Interesting. Well, well, but that said, because I, I like I watched Demolition Man last night. That uh-huh. seems like a movie where Stallone actually got it. Like he seemed like he he knows what movie he's in. Expendables still seems like he wants it to be like the first Expendables, where there's a serious thing to it. Yet everyone else around him seems like pretty goofy. I, I think that's his thing. I think that's mm-hmm. his thing. I have a question. I mean, I haven't seen the film, mm-hmm. but at, with the large ensemble cast. There has to be certain people that are mainly in it, and then other yeah. people are cameos. So oh, yeah. who are who are the main stars? Okay, well, Jet Li's not. Jet Li has one scene and he's gone. That's so he cross, has like a line. It's cross, great. It's just like, are you gonna be back? No, never. Like, <laughs> cross, cross he, says, he says the maybe, main, and the, then it's gone. The main stars in this movie. But Stallone, his scene is awesome. It's, still, it's it's Stallone and Statham. Not so much this time. Right? Like in the last movie, the first one, Statham, and it was basically Statham and Stallone, the buddy movie, featuring all these other guys. Like that's it's the first one. It's still the buddy movie. It's still, still, yeah, he's still there. He but still gets second billing. He's, yeah, he does. And well, like, Schwarzenegger, he's probably not in it that much. No, no, he has like two seasons. Yeah. more than the first that's, one. That's Schwarzenegger, is also, Schwarzenegger is also the worst thing in the movie, easily. But oh. uh, <laughs> the second worst thing. so tired. The second worst <laughs> thing is Willis. Willis is terrible in this movie, too. Yep. Get in! 
shoe is bigger than this car. Shoot something! But, uh, okay, so, but, yes, uh, yeah, Solo... He's not really screen. given anything. He's not given, like, some diehard stuff to do or anything like that. So, it's, it I mean, feels like Stallone, like, he just came on. He's like, just react to things. And he does. He's like, oh, look at that, over there! And he, like, points to Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so, okay, so it's it's Stallone, and then what's, who's the, the, um, the, the, uh, the Asian woman's name uh, uh like, i forget but her like, character's name it's is like maggie oh, it's like maggie her name's maggie um her name is maggie yeah. in the film her name is maggie even so like they couldn't get maggie q so they just named the character maggie that's what it seems like <laughs> an interesting point <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't get maggie she's too, she's too busy doing my family key to the series yeah she's busy on the cw she couldn't get her, away her name is you nan you nan okay so it's like her stallone and uh steve has more to do this time yeah well, yeah, well, yeah, the other, like, like Terry Crews and Randy Couture are basically, like, background dressing, even yeah. though they're, like, Terry, Cru- Terry Crews, I'm a sucker for Terry Crews, so he's, like, the reason yeah, I like to see yeah. things. Yeah, here, man. But, and then uh, Liam, Liam Hensworth gets, um, he gets, oh, yeah, he's, he's there for a very specific reason, I'm not gonna go into I, it. He's there I for a very specific reason. I forgot he was in this movie. But, Aaron, just, just an aside, but have you seen Idiocracy? Yeah, I have. Okay, that's a Terry Crews movie right there. Yeah, I, 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 I am well aware of Terry Crews' career. Uh, I like Terry Crews quite a bit. But um, okay. The main, the best thing in this movie is Jean Claude Van Damme, hands yes. down. Yes. Dude, yeah, hands down, I agree. Hands down. Yeah. Who plays? He's the villain whose name is Villain. That's his <laughs> name. <in> the- <laughs> yes. And then you have a scene where where Sylvester Stallone is actually just like repeating his name multiple times, and then he's, <laughs> right. Villain, Villain, Villain. The best, the best, the best part of this movie, the best like thing that Jean Claude Van Damme has to do, where he he says. He, it's him and Stallone. They're about to face off, and he's like, "Is it ironic? You, me, and a knife. That's the end. Like, <laughs> that's not. I'm like, that's not irony. What are you, what are you saying? <laughs> there are so many lines in this movie that make no sense. And yes, but it was down with that, that. and it adds to the brilliance of it. Yes, there we go. No, I mean, like the parts where I was down on it was like, you know, stuff that's in between when they're in the village and then they have to go like, oh, we've got to go mine. Let's go get more of the men from the village. I was like, this is boring. I want to see, like, all these guys, like, collaborate and do see, I, cool I stuff. I get what you're saying, but I just didn't see it that much. Like, that wasn't – it didn't seem that prevalent this time around. Like, it was very – it seemed very quick and in between to get to that – to get to more action. Like, it seemed very – like, the first movie had three action scenes, and, like, one of them was good. Like, this movie delivered. This movie has, like – this movie had just nonstop, just ridiculous oh, yeah, action going so on. so over the top. It's beyond ridiculous. I mean, like uh... – Chuck Norris is like so badass in this movie that he just Chuck Norris he has, like, is, take missiles in his. Chuck Norris is nothing in this movie though. Chuck Norris, I mean, is, yeah, Chuck Norris is the third not, worst thing in this movie. <laughs> like, let's not let's yeah let's not go overboard. Chuck Norris is barely in the movie. And like He's, he doesn't do that much. Like you see a lot of people die that. off screen and then Chuck Norris arrives and then the other scene you, you see him like arrive again. I don't think he ever lifts his hands in this movie though. Like it I almost think, looks like he physically can't do that. Yeah, much. they so they, they wheel him in and pose like an action figure and then like. Yes, like they exactly. added the gunshots later, and then, like Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah. It's like weekend at Bernie's right. with Chuck Norris. It is with Chuck Norris. Ch- and is. Chuck Norris, how did he get here? Like, why is he in the? Like, I feel like the only way Chuck Norris, is able, <laughs> the only reason Chuck Norris is able to arrive is because he has a portal gun. That's if like how trying, I can explain things. If you're He's trying the Jesus to... Christ of the crew. <laughs> If you're trying to justify the story or how anybody gets anywhere or how anybody does anything, I mean, this is going to be a long day. You just got to enjoy what's on the screen. There's parts of this that do drag the exposition parts when they they ask Helmsworth, oh, what's the story of your past? And then he goes, it's a long story. And they go, well, we got time. And the audience (laughs) is like, oh, okay, I don't really have time for that. I mean, like, granted, yes, 
that was like a really, really weird scene because that comes out of nowhere. But I love that, uh, like, that, again, it plays to like, those older films where they're just talking about these, like, very sentimental things for no particular reason. The, the other thing I loved was, like, a, there's, like, a, you know, we referenced, referenced it earlier, but it was just, like, where uh, Hemsworth is talking to Stallone, and he's like, oh, there's a girl that I want to go see when I'm uh, done with all this business here. And it totally is, like, those old, like, it's McBain yeah. uh, with, uh, with his partner. <laughs> And he's all like, I'm, I just got a boat. It's called the Live Forever. Because <laughs> Susie's all grown up. <laughs> and like, I love that stuff. I loved every moment of that stuff. Even like when, when they're talking about like, what's your last meal? It's like, it's like, well, it would be whale and seal. And maybe I still like want some Chinese. And it's just like, this is so awful that it's funny. But it was, it, it's in the writing. I think the writing is so tongue in cheek that yeah. it's, Really, it puts it over the top. I, I, it's not. It's not. If you're gonna say Sylvester Stallone didn't co-write this with the thought of making every line a one-liner or making people in the audience laugh at when he's being super serious, then I mean, I think you're 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 missing what the point of Expendables two was. It's not to be some serious '80s action thing. It's it's to be. Like this funny, fun, shoot 'em up, you know, my gun is bigger than yours, 80s action, throwback, satire, whatever this is. I, yeah, I see, and I get that, and I, I acknowledge some of that in the movie, but other parts, it's just, some of these guys just aren't really trying. It's, it's like, it, like Stallone and, and, or not Stallone, but Schwarzenegger and Willis and like, some of the oh other guys, God. they just don't deliver the lines as well as they could, and the lines just aren't that good. Like there's, there's... the lines are the lines are the lines are good. The deliverance is not that good. But if you're expecting Schwarzenegger to deliver something that is eighty Schwarzenegger, then I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. He's 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 ten years past what collateral damage. You know, so it's it's just not gonna happen. Damn, that's the that's Well, I mean, but you have movies that do it well though, like Hot Fuzz. That's a movie that knows what it is, and that's a movie that works. Right. Yeah, 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 but that, I mean, that's, I, I don't think those two are directly relatable because I think that Hot Fuzz, yeah, Hot Fuzz is like it's such a play on all those films, and it's like great. And I even love like the uh, the the Point Break references and stuff like that too. But this one is like I think that they're just it, I think it would have been a little bit better if they had just made those guys. Uh, who they were in those old '80s and '90s movies, um, like, and they all knew references about it, uh, but that's just a different story altogether. Like throwing around like time cop references. <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, they, they, they reference like Rambo in the movie. Like, they reference Rambo and like Terminator lines, but it would have been awesome. Just like there are way too many Terminator lines. There, in this movie. Yeah, uh, I agree. Well, yeah, that's I agree. why Willis and Schwarzenegger are the worst in this movie. They're like, I'll be back. You've been back enough. You be kind. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Who wrote this? I really think that's what the audience but, wants to see. That's what they came to see. That's what they paid their ten fifty. But that's, if the lines are written bad for them, then that's the script. That's not their fault. I mean, if the lines are written bad, I think well, it's a, it's a mix of both. Like the lines are written bad, and then you have bad, you have people acting badly that makes it just worse. But I think it, that's the that's the point. I mean, if there's any point in this movie, they're gonna do their you know hokey '80s thing, over the top thing, and the lines are written so. Poorly, or they'll, they're so abrupt. Where there's okay, here's case in point. There's a scene, and I and I hate, I don't want to give away everything in the movie, but there's a scene where they blow away everybody in this 
in this little town. And this lone <laughs> villain comes walking out of the back, like just walking out of the bathroom or something. And they go, there's one guy left. And everybody blows him away. And they go, rest in pieces. Now, say <laughs> that may sound idiotic and stupid, but on the screen, no. it worked really well. It works really well. I mean, I'm making it sound really stupid. It, well, well, no, it works. Really it does. Good. I agree with that. Yeah, it works yeah, really it well. But that's that's a single example. I mean, it's <laughs> no. But there's a lot of that. I don't want to give everything. Yeah, away. I, yeah, I, mean, I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, what what secrets are there to 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 be? Well, we find out who Stallone's real father but... is. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But still, you know, there's tons of these scenes that are really, really tongue in cheek, and they're they're they they would be horribly written if the movie was super serious. Yeah, I, but I don't think the movie yeah, super. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I did enjoy this movie for what it was more than the first one, which this one delivered this time around. I just hope that if they make Expendables three, it delivers even more. That's. I hopefully. Oh, they will. It's. I think it's doing well enough. It, well, think, uh, they, they'll, they'll uh, make it is as long as they'll as long as the action stars agree to be in it. I heard uh, Nick Cage is. Oh, they got, I've I've heard plenty of. Oh, oh Harrison Ford. They were asking him oh, too. No. Who is who is who surely will agree to that? Like, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about at the end of this film, like if they if they had like this awesome uh, uh, airstrike, and then you just see to, uh, Tom Cruise in the plane just flying away. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, and they're like upside down. Ever. Upside down. <laughs> yeah, upside down. Yeah. Let's uh, let's uh, get into that. that. That's another thing we're going to talk about next. Uh, we we're going to talk about Tony Scott films. Um, uh, Tony Scott, uh, director Tony Scott, who's made many really cool action movies over the past <clears throat> couple decades. He, um, if anyone hasn't heard, he committed suicide, which was really shocking to hear, really, and uh, sad. It, it, it upset me hearing that. But uh, And I've been watching Tony Scott films this week because I really like a lot of his movies. And I thought we could kind of talk about some of our favorite Tony Scott movies in general. Uh, maybe go over some of what we like about it or what have you. So, uh I could start out, uh, Jordan, and he come to mind right away. Crimson Tide and Man on Fire. I love those two films. <clears throat> I I could watch those films all day, just back to back. Crimson Tide? Oh, and, uh, and of course, I always forget about this one, The Hunger. The <laughs> I think a lot of people forget about <laughs> The Hunger. That's his first film, wow. David Bowie. And, uh, what, Susan and that's not even, that. I don't even, I mean, like, that's one of those films that's not even like a Tony Scott film. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, not at all. It, I, mean, I mean, it's very cheap and different, but the the style is there. Like his his cutting is like his his edit, like his editing. It's, it's gotten way more aggressive, especially in like the later part of his career. But it's... no, but it, it has some like really cool like vampire scenes and ideas, and I think uh, in where they've kind of been watered down vampires. Like it's it's so amazing to watch. I I rewatched it a few months ago actually, and. It's it's fan it's superb. Uh, Mark, well, I, my favorite Tony Scott film is Enemy of the State. I, I've always yeah, loved that great. film, and I think it's a really good uh, picture. Gene Hackman, Will Smith, um, uh, just very interesting. So I, I've always loved that. And then I did watch uh, True Romance for the first time actually just a, a month ago, and and I did enjoy that as well. Um, I particularly for the scene with uh, Locke and Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. That was, I mean, a lot of the, the thing about True Romance. It almost feels more like a Quentin Tarantino movie than a Tony Scott film. But Tony Scott definitely brings a certain. He actually did some changes to that film that Quentin Tarantino didn't 
have in the original script. So, and those changes do seem more like Tony Scott touches. Um, so he definitely has his stamp on that film. But like that scene between Christopher Walken and uh, uh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Yes, thank you. It, it's definitely a Quentin Tarantino moment. We should, yeah, he, he didn't write the script for that movie, just in case anyone wasn't familiar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll get to True Romance a little more in a second. But um, Enemy of the State. That's a movie, I really like that movie, that's like a fun movie to watch, and that's a movie, I, I feel like, if there was one movie to describe Tony Scott, I feel like Enemy of the State's like the easiest one to do, just because it kind of, it has everything that makes a Tony Scott movie in terms of like how it's filmed, and it's like, in, it's like at the midpoint of his career, like right before he got like super aggressive with like his visual style, his kinetic visuals, and the use of like fast like speed ramp ups and like speed downs and mixed with like all the crazy like different like he has all the surveillance stuff going on in that movie and it's it like has all of that like where it, where it goes to the later part with like man on fire and domino where it's like super aggressive editing style and what have you but it also still has that kind of mainstream appeal aspect to it which is because the jerry bruckheimer production so that and like crimson tide and like those movies like i feel like that's like i think enemy of the state's like the the defining like t what's a Tony Scott movie you can show like that movie and that's well, like what, cool. what about uh, Top Gun? I mean that was his biggest hit. No. That's his biggest hit, but I, w I mean I don't like Top that's Gun overrated. as a movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a good movie, but I, but I I don't think that's a. But that I, that I don't I don't think that I don't think that encompasses Tony Scott's career as a whole. It encompasses yeah, maybe it, it shouldn't. It, it encompasses it, really shouldn't. The, it encompasses the early part of his career, like the earlier half. I would say, like, but. And it has like it. I mean, they're they they all have a feel. Like all, every Tony Scott movie has a certain, it has a Tony Scott feel to it. But I, I, I wouldn't say that that movie you could like you could show somebody Domino and you could show somebody t Top Gun and say like these are made by the same filmmaker. Yeah. Well, and with Enemy of the uh, State, it has so many young actors that became huge in yeah. the past ten years in really minor roles like Jack Black, Jamie Kennedy, uh, Jason Lee, um, Barry Pepper, Jake Busey. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, sure. I, well, I feel like between True Romance and Enemy of the Scott, Tony Scott's worked with everybody in Hollywood. Yeah. So. Has uh, Has anybody mentioned the fan? Maybe I have a soft spot. I don't. I like the, the fan. fan. I, I, I like, I really, scary in the fan. I will give you. I like. I mean, that's the San Francisco Giants ties. But I, I really, I, I think this, that was probably the one of the first ones that I saw of his. And I, I always have a soft spot for the fan. What are you? What are your favorite Tony Scott movies, Marcus? Um, probably my favorite is Man on Fire. I mean, second would probably be True Romance, and you know, um, just Man on Fire is it's it's what I think of when I think of Tony Scott. Um, visuals. Um, I mean, not only the performance that it, it's almost to the point where the visuals overcome the performances. Um, even though the performances were really really great. That's what helps in Man on Fire. That Denzel yes. is quite strong, Dakota Fan. Yes, yes, she's, she's good, quite strong. She's I mean, the story is. is the story is super simple, but it, it, it has that kind of uh, unstoppable thing where it's super simple, but he makes it really that much better. And I'm not discounting Denzel or anything. He's fantastic in the movie, but uh, Tony Scott makes it an edge of your seat watch. Question. Just a, uh, Mickey works in this movie. Mm. Is his dog in this movie? I forget. Yeah, it is. I, is he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is the dog in the movie. Yeah, because he's like he's carrying around a dog like in every scene. Yeah. I think, but 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 dog. I feel like in like two between like two thousand one and two thousand like six, like Mickey Rourke always had his little dog with him. So I have to like keep track of which movies he had his little dog. In. 
And didn't um the Punisher come out like yeah months Punisher came out the week, Man on week Fire. It, it was the and, the Punisher Man on Fire and Kill Bill Volume Two all came out within like three weeks of each other. Wow. Yeah, and and I felt that Man on Fire is the movie that the Punisher should have been, and I saw it. I was like, this is amazing. I like the Tom Jane Punisher movie, but that's a different discussion. Oh, wow. I don't love it. Like I mean, Man on yeah. Fire is a better movie, yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I think Spy Games is. Is such a tight film and it never drags. I think it's so gripping the the training scenes. Like Spy Game, they just jump to Spy Game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you have more to say about Man on Fire? No, I was just, so we were talking about Spy Game. I was like, all right, go on about Spy Game. Yeah. You like Spy Game? I love Spy Game. Yeah. No, I hate it. Uh, yeah, I'm not I a just big, changed my mind. Not a big Spy Game fan, actually. So. Yeah, I, I can't I even. Like, I, I couldn't tell you anything about that film. Yeah, it's I, Yeah, I, I, I it is. It's the only one that feels because 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 his his style his visual style is so aggressive like that's the only one where the style actually like makes the movie boring to me. Yeah, seems like the the office stuff so monotonous that he like wanted to like amp it up by doing his thing and it just like kind of like yeah the movie's still not good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well uh, I love it so uh, screw you guys. Okay, uh, so moving on. <laughs> Abe, what are your favorite Tony Scott movies? Definitely Man on Fire. Um, I, remember, I remember seeing that and I was just going crazy. Like, I was super excited when Denzel just goes uh, all out on those guys. Especially, like, the bomb in the ass. I mean, that was great. Um, what, wish? Uh, but I, I wish, wish you had yes. more time. That is a great line as well. It's like, I wish <laughs> you had more time. And then cool guys. <laughs> and the way he's all pausing while he says it as well. Cool, cool guys don't look at the explosion scene. <laughs> he's just walking away. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely have to give a props up to uh, Top Gun, and uh, that's not because it's a great film or whatever, but it's just it's one of the earlier films that I ever saw that I just kept rewatching the action sequences to. Um, I was about like seven or eight, and I remember they would come on on Saturday afternoons, um, and yeah, it was it was awesome being like a seven or eight year old and just watching these fighter planes go out um, against the Russians, and then uh, the Migs, remember, the Migs, the Migs. Yeah, it's like oh my gosh, we've never flown so close to them and stuff like that. So. I, I like Top Gun uh, for that. It's just like a nostalgic factor. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm, I was sorry to hear the news as well, but definitely, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of good films that you know, everyone has named tonight that, you know, we can always just go back to and, and reference them and watch them again. Actually, I, I'm going to mention, uh, not I'm not a big fan of this, but uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 <laughs> is pretty much one of the biggest films of his career, and we haven't even mentioned that. Well, you guys are all crazy because we have not mentioned The Last Boy Scout, and that movie's amazing. Or Days of Thunder. <laughs> We're not or talking about Days, Days of Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. Do not take away from my Last Boy Scout ranting, because I'm going to talk about The Last Boy Scout. That movie, that movie is... If, if you think Willis had his best, like, one-liners in, like, Die Hard or Fifth Element, The Last Boy Scout has every best Bruce Willis one-liner there ever was. Like, the move, that movie, the script by Shane I'm Black... I'm going Supercut, and maybe we can put it in the show notes. The, the, the script by Shane Black, who, you know, one of the biggest... Who's currently directing Iron Man 3 and, like, made Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and, you know, had his early career... Yes, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is awesome. Shane Black's early career was, of course, writing the Lethal Weapon, the first Lethal Weapon movies, and, like, and he, uh, you know, became one of the highest-paid screenwriters in Hollywood for a time. The Last Boy Scout... That is him, like, that movie, opposed to The Expendables, that movie's actually, like, very aware of what it is. Like, it's a very, like, it's a, it's like this weird, like, action noir thing with, with Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans as in, like, a buddy cop movie. And, like, every line in that movie is hilarious. Like, it's, it's one of, like, the funniest action movies you could see. The Last Boy Scout, I love that movie. That's a True Romance, hands down, is my favorite Tony Scott movie. And one of my favorite movies in general. Like, I love Tony, True Romance. I could watch that again and again and again. 
Also, I love Domino. I'm not. I'm not gonna be brash about oh, that. I'm man. a big fan of Domino. I, it, that's easily like <laughs> the one that people would like hate on the most. But I like Domino. Yeah, I've never it. seen that, and everyone has always it. told me just avoid it. Domino so. is like that's a that is a ride. That movie. Uh, avoid it. And I had Richard Kelly, writer of uh, Donnie Darko. Like I had him. He wrote the script for Domino. He he. I have a signed copy of my DVD. Is signed by Richard oh, Kelly. Man. That's what happens. Domino, fan, Domino's, but... Domino's what happens when you have a narrator that's literally on masculine narrating the movie. That's what happens. That that is the movie. That, <laughs> Kira Knight, I wish they had done that for Savages. Kira Knightley's yeah, that would have made Blake Lively interesting. But exactly. But yeah, do, yeah do, Domino, Domino's the movie Savages wanted to be. <laughs> but, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I I think it's definitely worth seeing if people haven't seen it. It's incredibly ambitious. Um, for me, it doesn't work. But I appreciate it for what it is and what I was doing. What else? Deja Vu, anyone? I just watched Deja Vu this morning. I like Deja, Deja Vu. Deja entertaining. Because it's that Jerry Bruckheimer thing where it's just like he makes movies to be mainstream entertaining. And it was. Yeah. There's a car chase through time in that movie, which is awesome. <laughs> and anything with Val Kilmer is, is A-OK. Even though Val Kilmer kind of disappears halfway through. Yeah, but he's, he's Val Kilmer. He does his thing. I, w- I won't stick up for the Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, though. Especially because the original Taking of Pelham is such a really good movie that it's irritating that the new one is just not good. What about Unstoppable? Unstoppable I like a lot. Yeah, no, Unstoppable is good. Unstoppable is a fun movie. And what I like about Unstoppable is that it's basically just blue-collar guys doing their job. Like, they don't become Superman. They don't, like, have, like, ridiculous... They, they don't do like anything that's like out of the out of the ordinary for the sake of a movie. The movie's just about two guys that get in and over, in over their head and just have to stop this train. Like it, it, it like yes, it has like the silly trailer premise. It's the trains, the it's explosion, a bomb the size of the Chrysler Building or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah. Oh man, I remember that. Once again, it has a great cast. It does. Like, it has a really expensive cast. Like Rosario Dawson's like what? <laughs> that's crazy. Ethan Suplee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, Kevin Dunn uh, is, or no, Gandolfini is in Taking a Pelham, I think, yeah. But, uh, Kevin Corrigan is in it, too. The mm-hmm. Kevin Corrigan. Yeah. And like, let's not forget, he produced some kick-ass films, too. That's, yeah, he, uh, he, um, with, uh, Joe Carnahan's Jesse, movies. Like, Jesse James, The Grey. Oh, wow. Um, Cyrus. Yeah, he produced Cyrus, right? Yeah. Cyrus? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in her shoes, like in her, in her, yeah, the action thriller that's in her shoes. <laughs> a bunch of like just random films, but decent. James Franco's best, Tristan Andy's old, mm-hmm. classic. <laughs> that said, actually, I, I, think are, I like that movie more than most the people. Great, Tristan Andy's. There, there's two. Um, there's two um, short films that he did that are actually really cool. One was, uh, what was it? like Oh, the BMW yeah, short BMW, film? BMW one, Beat the Devil. That was... Yeah, the yeah. one with that, Gary Oldman. Yeah. yeah, with Gary Oldman. That one's pretty cool. And then there's That's probably my favorite one out of all of them. Yeah. If anyone doesn't remember, Beat, there's this BMW like, kind of film series. And that's where I first you know started seeing Clive Owen getting popularity, where like BMW had like a bunch of really cool directors just make sweet little short films. And there's one by Tony Scott, Guy Ritchie, John Frankenheimer did one, I think, like before he died, maybe? Uh, Ang Lee did one. John Woo did one. John Woo did one. Yeah, did it? No, I think I think John Woo, not Ang Lee. Yeah, my bad. I was like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Okay. Oh, Ang, Ang Lee did one too. Oh, he did do one. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> right. Ang Lee was filming the Hulk at the time, and there's like a Hulk bandaid that like the little monk gives Clive Owen. But yeah, so the, yeah, the, I, I think there might be on like YouTube or something. I wish those would come out like on Blu-ray. That'd be sweet. You just get those. Yeah, ones. I've got the DVD. So I, have, yeah, I have a DVD of it too. It's it's cool. To, but uh, yeah, any other uh, Tony Scott thoughts? We move on. I can't believe you guys don't like Spy Game. 
I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I'm, I'm so bummed out. I mean, well, I mean, I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just I can't remember it. Yeah, it, it just, just seems like a forgettable one. Didn't make any impression on me. As opposed to Enemy of the State, where you know you have a pseudo sequel to the conversation. By the way, anyone that's seen Enemy of the State and likes it, go see the conversation. Maybe my fa- easily, but it is no. It's my favorite Gene Hackman performance movie. Like, wow, movie's fantastic. That's great. But um, just came out on Blu-ray a while back. Yeah, it's yeah. a great Blu-ray. But uh, yeah, Enemy of the State. What makes it kind of cool is that because it's a good movie, I'm happy to acknowledge it as like a weird pseudo sequel to the to the conversation. But, I think the French or what'd you say? Uh, the conversation is is very good, but I think the French Connection is a better performance for uh, Gene Hackman. I don't know. It's more nuanced. Really? Conversation though. Uh, like I get. <laughs> what about Jury? <laughs> what about Unforgiven? He's good. I mean, Gene Hackman's a great actor. We can, we can all agree on that. I would say Unforgiven. That would be my. Really? Uh, yeah. That's an yes. overrated film. Oh wow! Whoa, oh, that's okay, moving on, moving on. Discussion all together. All right. Overrated. Let's film. just let's just stick with hating on Jordan and how bad Spy Game is. Let's go. With that. <laughs> no. All right. No. no, I refuse to be part of this team. All right. Well, we can talk about the fans some more if you want to. We can talk. Yes. Not the fan. The, what's funny? What's funny is that I looked at the fan poster and it says "unforgettable" on the poster. From that, that, <laughs> there's a hidden irony in that one. That's good. Uh, everyone remembers the fan. Uh, John Leguizamo was compelling in that movie. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to our next. Uh, what are we gonna talk about next? Let's talk about Killer Joe. I heard y'all talking about killing Mama. I think it's a good idea. Well, there you go. My payment is $25,000 in cash, no exceptions. That's not our problem. What is your problem? We have a problem with the advance. No exceptions. Conversation is finished. Of course, we never discussed the possibility of a retainer. What do you mean? Hey, man, you talking about my sister? Is that who she is? She'll figure it out. She'll lie, blow this whole thing real good. Who are you into for this money? What do he say he'd do to you if you don't pay him? I'm gonna wrap you up electrician tape and bury you in a coffin about 10 feet deep. And if I tell you the deal's off, you'll never see me again. Do it. And that's some of the Killer Joe trailer. Um, <laughs> all right, Killer Joe. This movie stars Matthew McConaughey as Detective Joe Cooper, who moonlights as a contract killer. Emil Hirsch and his dysfunctional redneck family, but Emil Hirsch and his father mainly, Ansel, um, played by Thomas Hayden Church, they hatch a scheme to have Ansel's ex-wife, uh, Emil, Hirsch, Emil Hirsch's mother, uh, murdered so they can get the insurance money, so he can pay up, so Emil Hirsch can pay off his debts. Uh, Matthew McConaughey as Killer Joe is willing to do this. Of course, he generally takes payment in advance. But they, these idiots don't have the money. They, they're counting on the insurance money to be able to pay off Killer Joe. So Joe, to to supplement him his his fee for the time being, he takes a retainer in the form of Chris Emil Hirsch's sister Dottie, played by Juno Temple. Dottie, she, yeah, she's she's a little not quite there all the way in the head, but she's a looker. The movie's happy to emphasize this fact. And uh, from there, the plot takes some twists and turns involving Joe's relationship with this family. So, okay, I think all of us except Jordan have seen this movie at this point, correct? I think so, yeah. Okay, so let's start with Mark. What did you think of Hiller Joe? Okay, so first the good. I really like the script. I thought that it really kind of crackled with like an intensity that's kind of rare in modern movies. And 
The dialogue is really loopy. I mean, these characters will say or do anything to preserve their own skin. And I liked, you know, Juno Temple. I like Gina Gershon. But the MVP of this picture is Matthew McConaughey. I mean, first of all, he's having a phenomenal year. And I really like his, like, recommitment to artistic pictures and, and these kind of choices that he's making right now. But I really liked him a lot in the film. And I thought that his character was very interesting and, like, what happens in the film and, and the different kinds of uh, developments are interesting. So I did like that. Um, it is a difficult film, and I have to be careful with who I would recommend this to because it's definitely not for all tastes. And there's definitely at least uh, one scene that is probably one of the most degrading things I've ever seen an actress do in a film. And yeah. it's not that it's not the thing that she did is so degrading. But just watching it on screen was just – it was hard to watch. This movie's rated NC-17 for a reason. Right. And I mean it, I, I'm not going to go into the scene. But to describe it, you might think, well, what's so bad about that? But it's just the way it's presented. is It's, it's definitely difficult. That's but crazy. overall, I think that I was riveted throughout the, the movie. And, I mean to, you could call these people trailer trash, but that's actually a compliment. I mean these people are low. I mean the way they act. But – it it is funny. I mean, I was laughing. I mean, it's actually, I would say it's it's definitely part comedy as as much as it is a drama. So overall, I I definitely liked it. But you know, it's it. I have some qualifications. Marcus, this is uh, where do I start? Uh, this is an awful film. <laughs> I, I didn't think it could get worse than Bug. Um, but this freaking Tracy Letts thing has got to end. This experiment. I don't. I don't know what they're doing here. The 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 dialogue is so all over the place. It, it's a film that does what it wants when it wants. If freaking wants to show you a vagina right in your face, he's gonna do it. It doesn't matter if it stops the story flat or what the mood well, is. Actually, Marcus, to be to be fair, to be, we don't see a vagina. We see a big <laughs> furry like. Wait, we mop. can split hair. We can we can split hair. I don't think we want to split want. hairs, but all right. Split hairs all you want. Yeah, exactly. We don't. We can split hairs all you want, but what it is is what it is. And it, it tell me why this was. I have no clue. Um, if if Let's wants to give you a, a twenty minute interrogation scene that meanders for nineteen minutes and then gets to the point, he's gonna do it. And that's what this film is. It's a it's a film of just nonsensical, ultra violent scenes stacked onto nonsensical scenes. That just meander, vulgarity for vulgarity's sake, shock value. The dialogue when nothing has happened is not even that funny. There's like one laugh in the entire movie. And the ending is just okay. so it's it's vulgar, it's awful, but everybody's gonna think that I hate this movie because of the ending. And that's not it. I hated it way long before the ending. The ending was just the the topper. And it's it, 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 and Mark, you said that Matthew McConaughey does his best work here. It's just no, I, I didn't say it was his best work. Okay, I said that said I think he's the really MVP work. of the film. He's not the MVP of this. Uh, uh, um, Gina Gershon is the MVP of this movie. She plays her role better than anybody plays their role in the entire movie. Well, she's good, also. I I, I, I don't argue really that. Strongly acted by by all everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I have to say, when you said that the film stops to show vagina, like I'm sold. Well, that's like that. It comes early on. But, so, I mean. hey, wait, 
but it's it's not that's the movie for me and and that scene is funny that scene's hilarious that's all the dialogue the dialogue is upset with her and he's like why are you why don't you put some clothes on she's i didn't know was you as if it could, someone it else could have been anybody. And, the, and then Thomas Aiden Church says the last it could have been anybody. Like, that's okay. That make any sense. It, it's Explain funny. Me I mean, the movie is funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. There's one There's one funny scene. One funny scene, and it has no vagina in it and hardly any oh. cussing. So, yeah, uh, there. It, it's, it's, this movie's a mess. Abe, it's a mess. Abe, Explain why Abe. anything happened and why it happened. Abe, what did you think of the movie? Uh, I thought it actually ran a whole range of emotions that was really dark and funny. I, I I don't think that it was a huge mess. I think that it was just so like comically strange. Um, absurd. Throughout the whole entire film. You're looking for. Yeah, absurd and deranged is is like really what it is. But it's it's just it's crazy and it I, it's not like white knuckle like you know I'm holding onto my seat because I don't know what's gonna happen in the next scene. I, I fear for these characters lives or whatever it's just more of like it is crazy and i think like that's what makes it so awesome is just everybody is playing this film as if they're taking it uh, incredibly seriously even though the script is just so crazy absurd like i mean obviously there there are i agree that the the, the rating on it is pretty accurate um, there are weird things that happen, and there are, are situations in which even I'm like, "Wow, that's that's kind of weird," and this is this is strange. I liked it to the degree of, man, this is so weird, and it's so funny, and it's awfully twisted. That yeah, I would have to recommend it, but I agree with uh, Mark Hoban, which is just I'd have to be careful who I recommend it to. Can you can you tell me what parts were funny? Just the I'm not gonna lie. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. I laughed Here, at that ending, and I was like the only one in the theater that laughed. Really? Everyone looking at me like crazy because it's so it comes out of nowhere and, and it's, like, it's nonsensical. I don't. Well. I don't. Yeah. No, no. The, the humor is in their utter depravity. There's a part where Joe demands that Emil Hirsch put up Dottie as collateral. Okay, and the father says, "Well, it might do her some good." Like. What? What kind of a father is this? <laughs> I think. No, I, I mean, I think. I think. Now, Mark, I agree. I agree that I think Matthew McConaughey is the MVP of this movie. But Thomas Hayden Church had me rolling every time. Yeah, every, yeah, every, I mean, every, I think the whole cast was funny. So I'm not gonna like. I just uh, thought Matthew McConaughey. I just he surprised me the most. But what would you think? I loved it. I was uh, I was completely on board with this movie. It re- it made me feel like I was watching like just a really explicit version of a Coen Brothers movie. Particularly like Blood Simple or Fargo, like just the way the dialogue wrapped around on itself, the repeated lines and things, and just how weird and quirky the whole thing was, but in like an extremely hardcore <laughs> NC-17 sort of way. It, 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 I was laughing, and, and but then you get to like the weird twisted scenes of Killer Joe and Dottie, and just where that relationship goes, and it's... <laughs> it's I was completely into this movie, I just dug it the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean like... What? What are you? I mean, what do you do? I'm a detective. Really? Mm-hmm. Like Magnum P.I.? No. He's a private detective. I'm in the Dallas Police Department. He ain't real either. No. I'm real. I read it's nothing like them shows with car chases and all. A lot of paperwork. 
I read some policemen go their whole lives without shooting their guns. Probably true. You ever drawn your gun? Oh, sure. You ever shot anybody? Yes. I, I completely agree with that, which is just to say that, again, I, I know that you don't agree with me, Marcus, about the ending, and I was yeah. just, like, I, again, I, I was one of the few people in the theater, which I, it's not because I was scared of what was happening, it was just more of like, is this really happening right yeah. now? And I was just laughing, and then it's, there's like a part where Thomas Hayden Church, you're right, Aaron, he's like really funny in this movie, it's like, uh, Matthew McConaughey is interrogating Gina Gershon, and then Thomas Hayden Church is just saying, like, that he's he's basically saying I'm too dumb to know what's going on. So yes, you're right, Matthew McConaughey, um, that you that everything you're saying is correct. And then there's this part where there's pu- pumpkin pie in a can. And I I don't know why, but I laughed really hard about that. And, <laughs> and then what, what, it's just it's so weird. It's so it's so twisted that it that it's not it's not a nervous laugh either. It was just like oh my goodness, are you serious, man? <laughs> I think this is one of the ones where I was in the theater and a lot of people were laughing, but it was very, it was almost in an inappropriate manner. It was very uh, The movie is laughter. totally inappropriate. The That's movie the, is totally, the movie that is, is totally the inappropriate, but yeah. it plays its audience in a way where the people who were laughing were really didn't know what, they seemed like they didn't know what else to do. Like, am I just going to sit here and watch this, this movie play out and, watch these depraved people do this weird depraved stuff and you know like it, it, i mean it was i mean it's like, just vulgarity it this is vulgarity for vulgarity's sake and this is why i you know i didn't like movies like the human centipede and all this other junk where it's just it, 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 there's no meaning there's no underlying meaning to any of this i think the movie yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen the well, human centipede. I wouldn't put it in that category. I, yeah, I, 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 I think it's it okay. Okay, that was a that was a sicker movie, but this was verging. This had moments where it's verging on, like, unwatchable, I, and not just I, because I the it writer, was vulgar. It just it was boring. The writer of the the writer of the movie knows that these people are depraved. That they, they he yeah. knows they're depraved. If he was raising these up as people to act like and people to like admire, then I might have been a little more offended. But it's supposed to be. He's saying that they're bad. But he's he's writing something that has no point. Well, the point is humor. The point is not humor. The point is to show a bunch of stuff. And I can't. I mean, I can't. Tell well, you, you didn't. Everything. You didn't think it was funny, but the, it, that is the point. The point was to be funny. Point, it's. I mean, well, the point was the point was really missed on me I, I and i missed on like 90 percent of the audience that i went out with because this was not funny it was not funny i don't i don't know what funny parts there was there well it, it, it was just the dialogue to me I, that's I, what that's i think it's just because the the, all of the, of the characters are so inept like they're they're all so inept they all don't they all think that they're all sharper than the other oh sir uh instead of me kicking this off maybe this uh you could tell us the questions we need to ask it's pretty or, simple you're going to pay me for a service that I'm going to perform. Uh-huh. You're going to give me the particulars of her schedule, her habits. I'll act on them accordingly. I won't give you many details on my activities because the less you know, the better for everyone involved. All right. Now, I only have a couple of rules that I insist on sticking to. Insist. Okay, yeah. If you're caught. If you're implicated in this crime, you are not under any circumstances to reveal my 
identity or participation. Oh, of course. If you break this rule, you'll be killed. Do you understand? But realistically, from like a third person party point of view, they're they're just not. And I think that's where you you could either take it as, well, this is this is demeaning or, yeah, this is actually a really weird comedy of errors. What you just said was funnier than <laughs> anything that I saw in the movie. <laughs> so I, 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 yeah. I don't I don't under, I just I didn't maybe this is it just didn't resonate with me because it's, it's just, every people are loving loving this movie. Like what is it getting on Rotten Tomatoes? It's, it's fairly really high. high. I think it's Seventy something. Yeah. People are loving this movie, well, and I just I, I, I will admit it's the kind of movie that critics love, but it's not going to play to the masses, so it's no. not something to recommend to everybody. Yeah, for sure. But that said, I, would, I, th- I, I feel like if the, if the movie was, if the movie wasn't rated like NC seventeen and like it was in theaters all over, I feel like it'd be one of the most quotable movies of this year. I think the I think there's a lot of funny. Quotes. I think there's a yes. lot of great lines in this movie. Really. Oh, wow. I, no, it wasn't all right. He lit his genitals on fire. Like, I got, <laughs> oh, wow. I, I thought, you know, a, a lot of the dialogue, I thought it did it did come off like uh, it sounded like a play. So when, you know, and it's, it is what is it based? It's directly from a play from his. Yeah. From, like, so let me like, let me just explain a little bit. Uh, William Friedkin directed this movie and he worked with Tracy Litz, who previously wrote, he worked with with on the film on the film Bug. And this is another uh, play from from the same bad. same author. Yeah. What do you guys think of Bug? It was bad. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as yeah. this. This was this was bad. I think Bug's all right. I, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, of Bug. I don't okay. like Bug actually, but yeah, yeah. I I it, it wasn't it wasn't good. I mean, I think Bug had better a better performance. It had Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon's performance made the movie. Well, you, so just I, said it, you, like, it, you just said you liked Gina Gershon though. I did like Gina Gershon, but she wasn't the forefront of the movie. She was she's not a pretty the, big part. She is, she is, a, but she is not a forefront of this movie. Not until the last 30 minutes. She was in the forefront Matt, when she answered that door. <laughs> she was very much in not the forefront. Not to split hairs. <laughs> hair jokes, yes. But like Matthew McCoy, oh, oh here, here's, here's an example. Okay. Did you find the part where Emil Hirsch, where he's getting rounded up by those biker gang guys, did you find that scene to be funny? No. I think the I no, think no, the, no, no, no. The scene, the 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 when when the man is talking to him, the the the, the boss or the, the, the whatever. Yeah, 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 absolutely. When he's talking to him, that's okay. That's kind of light, you know, funny. That it's kind of it has that there's that an inevitable thing happening, yeah. you know, flavor. But then, other than that, it just. There's like these nonsensical non sequiturs between uh, 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 Juno Temple and Matthew McConaughey when they're having dinner, and it just gets boring and it teeters on. And then you know Emil Hirsch is running around like a crazy person with Thomas Hayden Church, and their their dialogue is okay, but it's it's verging on boring. So I was just, never bored. It was it too was intense bo- to be bored. You never knew what Matthew it? McConaughey was going to do. See, he was too it, intense to be bored. When he was on screen, I was like, "Like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen?" This movie. He's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely found that that dinner scene to be one of like the more nerve wracking scenes because I wasn't I mean, sure where the character okay, was. Okay, that's my go. favorite like thrilling dinner scene since like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right, like, it's was... so like dysfunctional. I mean, like that's not doesn't even describe it. And yeah. speaking of Tony Scott, okay, so there was a scene in True Romance where Patricia Arquette and what's the guy from the um, James Gandolfini. Jane, thank you. James Gelfini, they have a, a fight, and it's, like, very violent. There is a fight between Gina Gershon and, and Matthew McConaughey. I mean, I think this it's worse. I mean, like, 
and I'm not saying it's great, but it's definitely that's he's intense. This guy Matthew McConaughey in the film, you, you don't know what yeah. he's going to do. One minute he's serving up uh, casserole, the next minute he's, yeah. you know, what, he's, what, you you know he's really good in that last thirty minutes. I, the, the, there's a lot of the, the, that last dinner scene. He's really good in that scene. It's just too bad that it's overshadowed by this other filth. It's just a a, a, a just big dung pile of filth. To, to end this steaming dung pile of filth, and, and it's just—it's too bad that his his best, the best part of his performance is amidst that uh, that last thirty minutes. Yeah, there's a sequence yeah. that we're all kind of alluding to, but not quite being able to describe because we don't want to spoil things and we don't want to gross you guys out. But um, it's it's left an image in my mind that I just I'm not gonna be able to shake for a while, and it just it comes at the it's just the way it's presented, the way like Friedkin and his like his DP and editor like the way they put that scene, the scenes that happen towards the end. There's just a, a, a visceral quality to it where I'm just like in that moment I'm like oh right. my god I can't you like can't escape it just in it's it's all just visuals and where like McConaughey's how he's doing thing. You know, it's just it's really intense. The the finale of this scene was not something that is when when everybody's explaining it and they're going oh it was it was you know it has that gross out factor or whatever. This was not the gross out factor you would find in like a slasher film or anything like that. I don't want to get anybody mistaken. I, no. I don't know. Anything that, like I mean, that. Think it about was like, think this was vomit inducing. This was disgusting. And, and you know, to be fair, a character action. actually does do that, and when that happened, I just burst out laughing, and I was the only one, because, again, yeah. it, it speaks to the absurdity of the situation, and, If you again, give me an absurd film, make mm-hmm. it an absurd film that it has a storyline, or make it an absurd film that has interesting characters, or make it an absurd film that has some point. Oh this man, no Aaron, we should have devoted an entire episode no to killing Joe. Should have, yes. But yeah, what's this the is a great discussion. Well, this was lost on. No, no, but I sincerely respect your opinion on on this um, this film, Marcus. It's just you know I did see it as I did see it as like a, a, a very strange, odd duck film, and uh, I was laughing at. it. I mean, I mean, there's like a scene where they're meeting with the lawyers, and then Gina Gershon pulls a thread, <laughs> and the guy's sleeve just falls off. And that See, that just, was funny. Just that was, was funny. That was more slapstick, though. That was like a slapstick moment. That was so like, out, of, out of character for this film that I was, I, I was like, okay, that's funny. But, but then it just went. And Marcus, went back down don't to you it. feel like the writer was making fun of these people? He wasn't saying that they were, but you know, if you're gonna make good fun people. Of people. Give me a point. Give me a point. Why? Why are you making fun of these? Why? And then he does it to such an extent where it's super exploitive. It's super. Like, what's your point? Give me your point. I get I get that you're going to make this film where you're going to throw stuff in my face. I get that. Ha- I get it two seconds into the film. But give me a point. Give me something to hang well, on to. The, and give the me point nothing. is they're displaying the lives of these characters. I mean the point of any film is to see a group of people act, and that's what this was. The point was these this family, this dysfunctional family. The dysfunctional family based around the, the premise of they need to get some – some money to go settle some debts. I, I not, that just seems very Coen Brothers like to me. That's why. That's why it, I it is. The movie a lot. Now, the story in itself. When you're explaining the story, the story sounds interesting, right? I think anybody who hasn't seen this film, the story is going to sound interesting. But the freaking takes over this 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 movie with the visuals and the the throwing stuff in my face and Tracy Letts' weird dialogue doesn't really help. It just doesn't work. With the story, the story could have been good. 
The story could have been, but I think the filmmakers ruined it. Well, we're all going <laughs> to just have to settle on that because there's nowhere else we can go from there. We, some of us dug it. Clearly, Marcus, you were not a fan. I was not a fan. So, would you say it definitely deserves the NC-17 rating? Which, by yes. the way, it's awesome yeah. that the film wears that rating. Like, I, I would say it does, and it's like, as much as I, you know, as much as I would happy, I'm happy to argue about the MPAA and their position and as a mysterious organization that rates films, I think it's justified for this movie. And I think yeah. it's not just, it's, I don't think I could watch like another R rated movie. That's like just as terrible or whatever. And be like, how did that get an R rating? And this got an NC 17. I don't think it comes down to like the studios involved or whoever. Okay. It, I think it comes down to, there are certain things that go on in this movie and the way they're presented and the way the camera holds on certain shots where yeah. it's deserved. I like, mean, you could, you could make some uh, edits in the film, and it could be a, an R-rated film. But yeah, you know, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it. I think the movie embraces the NC-17 too much to even. I think if you cut out too much, it would be more nonsensical than it already is. Uh, I actually kind of agree with that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if you did cut out too much, it it just. I right. then I if if you cut out too much, I think I'm on the boat with Marcus, where he feels about what he Finally. feels about this film, which is like it would be like <laughs> it'd be so stupid. But because they left all that in, it's so intriguing. Oh. And, yeah, but I mean, anyway, yeah, we, we can move on. Yeah, let's let's move on. And, um, okay, so we're past the main talking points that I wanted to get to at this point. So this one it's called more of a, somewhat of a free-for-all. But there's one thing that Abe and I need to talk about. Oh, yeah. You want to you set this one up? Absolutely. All right, so Aaron and I, um, we've heard about this film called The FP for a while now. Uh, Aaron has seen it, and I recently saw it this past week. Three, two, one. Check out your hero now. He sure got one eight seven. Beecho's death wasn't your fault. It was his. He wasn't expecting the unexpected. You just disappeared. You didn't tell no one where you went. You ain't the only one who lost Beatro. Oh, dear. Got a surprise for you. From Brother Beatro. You gonna try him on? After Beatro got 187, the 248 lost it. The 245 has taken over. LWE's got even more street cred now. Hey, LWE, I challenge you to a beat up. Say what? Saturday night, a one-on-one, three-round, beefy revelation match. I'm in. Yo. Yo. Let's see what the kids got. And the FP is like this futuristic, <laughs> post-apocalyptic world in which a game called Beat Beat Revelation takes over, and it's a turf war. It's a gang war between the 258 and the 254. Um... And uh, it takes place in the Fraser Park, which is an actual city in California. I've been. We visited the FP not too long ago because we knew it oh, was really? it, we knew yeah. it was close by. So we're like, let's go to the FP, guys. So I'll put that. Yeah, in the, I'll put and... that picture in the show notes because we're <laughs> like under the sign. <laughs> yeah, but it's about these two brothers. One of them is named Jatro, and the other one Beatro. Um, and they they face off against the main per- or antagonist. His name is like L Double E. And it is a ridiculous film, but it's ridiculously entertaining. And I, I just, I, I loved it off the bat. If you, if you watch the first ten minutes and you don't love it, then you know it's not for you, and you shouldn't watch it. Um, but if you watch the first ten minutes and are remotely like interested in it, 
you should watch the rest of it. And it's just, it's so, like, the dialogue is so funny and so bad, and everyone is speaking like, a very nice Ebonics colloquialism. Is it, it's a spoof? It's, I mean, it's, it, it's made... I don't to, know if it's really a spoof, because well, I don't not, know it's, it's, it's not necessarily a spoof, but it's made, like, in the vein of films like The Warriors and, yes. um... Like yeah. Matt and Road Warrior, Road Warrior is like a huge influence on this movie, and like it, it and like it, other it, it 80s does, films, it, yeah, other like eighties like apocalyptic films, but it it knows what it is. I, it's not necessarily self aware, but it's not trying to be like, it's not try, it's not a, it's trying, that's not trying to amount to be. It's not serious. That's that. That's yeah, not it, it's not serious. But the thing is, like everybody who is in this film is actually taking it quite seriously. They're actually delivering they, the lines. They play it the right way. They play it without winking to the camera, despite the fact yes. that they're saying things in a serious manner, but they're things that are hilarious. That said, I mean, Abe is completely right in saying it's for a very certain audience. Like not, not everyone's going to love the FP for sure. And yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's coming from the guys, um, the trust brothers who, um, who made this film. It's like a short film. And then they got like the funding to make it into like a full length feature. And it's, it fe- it feels like a premise for like a short film that's been stretched out to like whole ninety minutes. But, right. Yeah. But I mean, it is it is uh, it, it's really funny and entertaining. I, I enjoyed it a lot. For everybody who has not seen it, this is an actual like premise of the film that one of the guys get tells Jaytro why he has to come back. The reason is that the main antagonist has taken over control of the single liquor store in the FP, and because of this. He is, like, rationing out the liquor so there are no homeless people who can get drunk off the liquor. And because of that, the homeless people can't feed the ducks, and therefore there are no more ducks in the Fraser Park. <laughs> you got to get the ducks back, yo. Yeah, and if you're on board with that, you should watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's very, it's cheap, but it's, like, it's what, like, these guys, the Trouse Brothers, they're, like, they're, um, they worked on the, um, Neville Dean Taylor films, like, they're friends with those guys, the Crank films, and obviously a Jordan Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Oof. And um, <laughs> Love it. But, like, these guys have that... You can kind of see that influence where the, the camera is very... It's very kinetic. It's very flashy, even though it's a low-budget film with, like, not a lot of, not a lot to, like, shoot because the FP's not necessarily a shit hole. But it's, you know, it's a pretty... It's pretty it, trashy. There wasn't a... a, a there, not a lot would need to be done to make it look like a post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah. I would agree with that. It's, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a film that is a... I would recommend it in a large viewing audience with people who know what it is and are on board with it because that way you're going to get, like, the best laughs and you're going to get, like, the, the best appreciation of the film. Now, Abe, I have to tell you something. The, yes? The, you know how I did the, the Walking Dead escape at Comic-Con? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran that with the Trust Brothers. They were there at the no same way. time. Yes, I, I saw it because you could tell it's him because the the lead character, who's also the director of the film, Jason Jason Trust. Jason Trust. He has yeah. a, he has an eye patch. Yes, it's, he really does. He have has an eye real patch. eye. He really has an eye patch. And I saw him like Trust from the FP. And so I said, it's like I just watched the FP, and he literally said to me, "I'm sorry." That like killed me what? right there. And they were like, "Oh, you're gonna run the Walking Dead thing?" He's like, "Yeah, we're we're really hungover though, so it's gonna be weird." And yeah, so I got to I got to run through the through Petco Park with the Trust Brothers escaping zombies. That's oh cool, Jatro. Yep, yeah. I get to run. I had to run through Petco Jatro. Very cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll definitely link up. I, I think that their short film is only like ten or eleven minutes, and um, it's remade in the film with a different character. I think who is a lot better. Um, his name is Art Sue. Yep. Um, but uh, I mean, if Art Sue, who's in that, Crank Two, High Voltage, by the way. <laughs> he he yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> this FP is so ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, you know, if uh, if you ever are so inclined to spend, I think it's only like 90 some odd minutes uh, with some friends to go watch it, definitely, you know. And if you're local, let me know. I will come watch it with you. We, we should mention also that the characters in the FP, the lead to Beat Beat Revolution characters, are dressed like people from Double Dragon in terms they have like absolutely they have blue and red like matching suits and they wear like i guess moon boots or something moon on their feet. they have like giant boots <laughs> which i'm sure makes bp revolution a lot easier to do like <laughs> bp revolution obviously is like ddr that's but yeah yeah <laughs> apparently jason trust is like a huge ddr yeah that's that's, that's, I that's, think that's like one of the motivations to make this film yeah. but yeah it, it, that actually was a question that somebody had posed to us on our facebook wall too and um we we've responded in kind and uh, yeah, definitely. I think, I think we've delivered now because we he certainly <laughs> got our full scope of the FP at this point. <laughs> Let's move on to another yeah. film because we're talking about a really obscure film for too long. Mark. Um, well, I just saw Searching for Sugar Man. It's a documentary about this uh, American music artist. And uh, it sort of has to do with how he really didn't have much of a career or anything. I mean, most people, his name is Rodriguez. And I don't think any, if you had, if I had never seen this movie, I'd never would have heard of him. Um, and how his music actually found its way into South Africa uh, in the early 70s and became sort of the backdrop for the anti-apartheid movement and a lot of people in South Africa and how they kind of uh, responded to his music. And he became actually a huge star in that country, unbeknownst to him in the U.S., where his career just kind of fizzled and, and faded into obscurity. If ever there is an air of intrigue and mystery around a pop artist, it is around the artist known as Rodriguez. We thought he was like the inner city poet. He was this wandering spirit around the city. He's like a wise man, a prophet. How many records do you think he sold in America? In America, six. Born in the trouble city. Well, it's still a bit of a mystery how the first copy of Cold Fact actually came to South Africa, but it spread very quickly. To many of us South Africans, he was the soundtrack to our lives. Everybody I knew had his records. The message it had was be anti-establishment. Really, the first opposition to apartheid, they'll tell you that they were influenced by Rodriguez, but nobody knew anything about him. He was a mystery. Then we found out that he had committed suicide. And a lot of people have different versions of the story. He set himself alight on stage. He reached down and pulled up a gun. I thought it'd make a good story. Find out how Rodriguez died. So the film is sort of about these two fans in South Africa trying to find out whatever became of their um, childhood, you know, music uh, fan or star that they loved, and um, and also millions of other people in South Africa that also loved this artist. In fact, he was apparently he was even bigger than Elvis in South Africa, but yet he didn't have any kind of a career anywhere else. Anyway, um, I don't want to spoil anything about the film, but it's really touching and a really sweet. Uh, movie. It's actually the producers, the same people that did uh, Man on a Wire, oh. and it, which was also a good documentary. I, I think this one's even better. Um, and every year, I always see like there's always a few documentaries I see every year that really kind of rise to the top, and I remember quite a bit. And I think this is probably going to be one of them for this year. It was very good. Strong words comparing it to Man on a Wire. I love that movie. That is a favorite, as one of my favorite documentaries. But. Uh... Yeah, search, yeah I, searching for Sugar I Man. Know, that is the. I know for a fact, Aaron, you're gonna love this. Good. Searching for Sugar Man. I will, yeah, I will seek it out then. Um, now, Mark, you've also seen The Imposter, correct? 
Oh, yes. Uh-huh. That was another documentary. I, I've seen it, too. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, the movie, yeah. There's a missing child a few years later in – a missing child from Austin, Texas. A few years later in Spain, they get a phone call from someone claiming to be their child. The family accepts this person and b- believes them to be their child. We know from the start that this is not really their child. It's some person posing as him. H- hence the title, the, the Imposter. He disappeared without a trace three years ago. Tonight, a San Antonio boy is back home. When a child is missing for years, either the child is dead or the child is not found. He was tortured. I mean, he had torture written on. This kid's really messed up. There was just something wrong about it. Something was being hidden, and I didn't know what that was. The FBI is not taking this case lightly. There was something going on more than meets the eye, of course. He couldn't speak English without an accent. Maybe he's not Nicholas Barclay. He cannot be an American. We didn't need to prove who he was. This is their family member. I mean, no one would be wrong about something like that. Wait a minute. What has he done? This is a very dangerous person. A story so bizarre, it's hard to believe it's true. him. And from there, you just find out, like, weird stuff about, like, this person, who he is, because there's confession, there's, like, the interviews stuff, because it's a documentary, and, you know, it's happened. And so you, like, see him talking, you see the family members talking, and you get to this weird place where you're like, well, obviously this is right, because this guy's doing this, but why did the family take him in? Is there something else going on? Like, what's going, like, what's the situation here? And it just, the way it kind of twists and turns and gives you different things that are both, like, thrilling at the, and at the same time kind of darkly comedic, it's, like, really engrossing to watch this movie. Like, it's one of those documentaries where I've I've said that, like, certain documentaries I feel like I have to recommend to certain people given, like, what they like about the subject matter that's involved. But this feels like a movie that, like, mainstream audiences can enjoy just because of how kind of strangely intriguing it is based on where it goes. Yeah, I you kind of touched on this. I, I thought at first the details as they're being presented, the focus is sort of about the guy that's pretending to be his, their son. And it's like, why – who is this guy and why would he claim to be their missing child? But then as the story develops, it almost becomes why does the family welcome him as their son? I mean, and it's and then I even had like I thought I had a reason as to why I thought they would do this. And then as it plays out, uh, the guy that pretends to be their son even suggests some other things. And then you're like, well, maybe that's it. And it's really yeah, it's twisty and weird. And I mean, it's always like, you know, that. That old adage about the truth is stranger than fiction. It really applies here. Yeah, and it, and it's really um, it's a well made movie. Like there's um, it does the thing same with like um, uh, Man, on, Man on Wire again, or even touching the point where it kind of recreates certain scenes just to kind of add on to it, kind of dra- add some dramatization to it. So it it kind of cuts to like pieces of footage that you know were fil- pre filmed. But it, I just really like the way the film was made overall, like the way it's edited, mm-hmm. the way it put, it's put together, is that it. It, it's like a... there's parts you're not even sure like which it, there were parts where it kind of was is this being recreated or is this actual footage kind of thing yeah you know that's actually a question that i had asked aaron about and because i i had seen the trailer but i was confused because it looked like a theatrical film release but also there was elements of documentary film style in it so i wasn't sure if they integrated that or if it's one or the other and uh, apparently it's all straight documentary right in terms of the story being told yes yeah and then they just they just recreate some of the stuff. Yeah, to kind of, yeah, to kind of add in scenes but that you there, obviously can't have footage shows. There's a scene where the guy steps off the airplane and the family goes meets him at the airport. I think that was real. 
that was grainy enough and and I think that was an actual footage that somebody like home movie footage that someone from the family filmed. Aaron, do you know if that was the case? I'm not. I'm not sure exactly. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, when I see it again, because I plan to, I plan to see it again when it comes out. Hopefully, like I'll be curious to, to learn more about the film. But yeah, no, I'm not completely sure. But yeah, the movie. It's it's a well made movie. It's it's, it's it just looks great. It's a great looking movie to watch. But uh, yeah, that's the Imposter. That's a solid doc. I think it's in like a few theaters right now. I hope people go and catch catch it because it's certainly worth seeing. Marcus, any uh. Any movie, other, other movies we have not addressed that you've seen lately? Uh, I saw Bachelorette recently on iTunes. <laughs> Bachelorette, that's the movie uh, with, with uh, Kirsten Dunst and Lizzie Kaplan yeah. and Isla, Isla Fisher? Isla Fisher, yes. Yeah. You don't even know my day right now. I was having lunch with Becky. So, I have some news. Dale asked me to marry him. Oh, that's, that's insane. insane. You know we're all going to have to be in this wedding now. Silver lining. We're going to get to throw a bachelorette party. We're going to get to dress up and be cool. It's going to be just like prom. We're having ice cream in our suite after the rehearsal dinner. And then we're going to party, right? Like, ah, like, mm, like, mm. oh, yeah, it's just that I'm not a big partier anymore. I'm so glad you're here. You two know each other from high school since I was your age. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go sit down. Trip. Becky and Dale. Becky and Dale. Look at these people. It's like a Jane Austen novel on crack. Yo, Becky. The what? You get married. Magic. Jenna, seem a little. <laughs> oh my god! Tell me she can still wear that. There's got to be something you can do here. This is housekeeping, not Project Runway. Oh, I think it's important, Marcus. It's important to note that you hated. Bridesmaids. Okay, that is it. One of the few people that hated. Before I didn't. It, it, okay, I didn't hate it as much as you hated Paul, but I didn't. <laughs> think it was anything more than a series of SNL skits. Some worked, some didn't. But a yet, lot of it didn't you work. Still, you yeah, decided I, to it, seek out this film. Yes, yes, because I was super interested in this film that was pig, it seemed to be piggybacking on the, the whole women can do it too kind of thing. And I was, I mean, shockingly, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman hater, but shockingly, I was really disappointed. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I was really, I was really disappointed in this movie. Everybody is, why? Well, I mean, if you want me to set it up, uh, it's yeah, about it um, three friends that are asked to be bridesmaids. Three, actually, there's four of them. There's four of these women. They all seemingly hate each other. Uh, three of them are going to be bridesmaids for the fat one. The fat one. They all make fun of her. They all hate her. He's played by Rebel, uh, so, Wilson, I believe. Who's yeah, who, Rebel, it's bridesmaids. Yes, yes, she's in Bridesmaids, too. Uh, she's much better there. Um, everybody's mean to each other. It's like the last 48 hours before before the actual wedding. Things go wrong, and, you know, everybody's yelling and screaming at each other. And it's it just, it, it was really disappointing. It was really disappointing. None of the jokes really worked. Um, a lot of the stuff was unnecessarily vulgar. Uh, verging on, like, hangover two-ish not that vulgar but just unnecessarily vulgar um lizzie kaplan is 
way overacting here. She's the worst part of this movie. Uh, her arms are just flailing about, and she's acting like a crazy woman and overacting and and screaming at the top of her lungs. And you know, like I know, I know, like it's not as dramatic as you made it sound. Just that, however, I do like the idea of just seeing Lizzie Kaplan just waving her arms crazy. She is. No, 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 no. There are like three scenes where she waves her arms, and I'm doing this in my car right now. I'm waving my arms. She's she just waving her arms around, waving her arms like a crazy woman. And yelling at the top, and it's unnecessary. And you know, it, the, the this this idea of the the piggybacking on the on the actual the bridesmaids, um, the bridesmaids money train isn't really going to work because this is a similar premise to bridesmaids, but everybody's mean here. Nobody's likable. Um, you know, you can call me a woman hater if you want, but. This is just not a good film. It it really it really wasn't. And with the amount of good, uh, let's bring, let me bring up another point. The amount of good women in Hollywood today, uh, directors, writers, what have you. I don't leave It's really, there. it's it's really shocking that this is being kind of boosted up there as something that, you know, is good female cinema and it's not it really made me appreciate bridesmaids i mean is it but, though, but like, are people only, saying it's good it's only on vod right now right but 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 i i think that's the new way i do if there's one thing i really did like um it was that they did put this on 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 demand i guess it is and and and, and uh, itunes right now um that was one thing i think that's the that's the thing that that more production companies should start doing I will say I do I do like Rebel Wilson and she's she was in both Bridesmaids and this and I did like her little brief role in Bridesmaids. I thought she was funny as the roommate. So I mean I know that that's not a, I'm was, sure she's she was very different. She was very every this is very as okay if Bridesmaids is like a a raunchy lighthearted comedy this is like a very dark comedy. This is not the – it's not that poster that we're all seeing of the four girls laughing in front of the stripper. It's not that. It is very dark. Killer and, Joe dark? <laughs> um, No, no, not – no. It's, How it, about Magic Mike dark? No, it, because Magic Mike was good. Right, it, right. This, is, this, this just <laughs> was on that dark, like, made-for-TV level of just maybe something on Fox. I don't know. It was – just disappointing. It was a, a kind of a waste of time. Very okay, much. What's your opinion of Bride Wars? Bride Wars, yeah. Well, Bride Wars is fluff. This is that's a different. This is what that, that's a, this is the difference between Bride Wars. Bride Wars uh, was in, more enjoyable than this, but Bride Wars is fluff. We were able to, we were able to get Marcus to admit that he's seen Bride Wars. By the way, that was very <laughs> creative, Jordan. I like oh, it. Erase that, erase that part. Edit that out. Um, <laughs> Bride Wars. Uh, or a bad, a bad uh, Bride Wars was more, more tolerable than this because Bachelorette plays it very straight. They play it very realistic. It's not going for uh, any kind of campy whatever. But then when it does those those mean spirited jokes, those dark and it, they're all over this film. They just don't work. So what Bridesmaids, Bridesmaids or Brides Wars whatever was <laughs> to comedy which was just like a mediocre film. This kind of was too dark comedy, which was, but it just worse. I think it really made me the converted. I don't think anybody 
really this nobody, doesn't look nobody, good. Nobody, nobody's gonna take nobody's gonna take my my i'm a, i'm a woman hater nobody's gonna take me. even <laughs> even I don't, I, I know she would hate to hate to hear this, but uh, even my girlfriend says I'm a winner. She she we watched this together, and she says, "Let me guess, you hated it." And I, you know, I she um, liked it. She thought it was tolerable. Did you see Killer Joe with your girlfriend? Yes, oh. she liked it. Well, clearly this I I, I might have to the, see The Bachelorette now. So <laughs> exactly, I want to see more people watch The Bachelorette just to reconfirm. Uh, what what I already I, I can tell you it looks awful. It, it I, I I there's I don't think it's gonna be. It doesn't look good. This it, is the it, first I've not. heard of this That's, movie. Huh? I I've seen the poster a lot. And I just, I've, I've seen the I've seen the trailer for it, and the trailer was like apparently like oh yeah if you love bridesmaids I mean you'll love Bachelorette. Couple except with a couple exceptions. If Isla Fisher is in the movie, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. And what did Isla Fisher do to you, Clark? <laughs> she is. She, she's done one bad movie after another. I mean, did you see Confessions of a Shopaholic? She it's plays the same role. It's the, and I heart. She was also in I heart Huckabee's. I mean, I heart Huckabee's is actually one of the worst films ever made. Yes, thank you. She's in I heart. I don't remember her in I heart Huckabee's. Yeah. She's the new um, Huckabee's girl. Oh, that's well. I mean, okay. I mean, that's, she's hardly in that movie. In confessions, <laughs> that you, if you've seen Confessions of a Shopaholic, you've seen her performance in this movie. This this just re reaffirms that that she can't carry her weight. And and she was and, in a movie called London that was awful too. All right. If anybody, if, if people have been saying Kirsten Dunst is good in this movie, and she is, she's a good actress. She's a really really good actress. Jer- but, jury's out on that one, but uh, okay. But yeah, jur- okay, but. She plays her role like she doesn't really know that she's in this movie. Like she goes for the gusto and everybody else is kind of just fooling around or whatever. And she goes for it and she's super mean. So if you're not used to Kirsten Dunst, well, I mean, being super just angry and mean and vulgar. That's and how whatever, I, I kind of picture Kirsten Dunst that way anyway, though. So I might feel yeah, like, oh, she wasn't, this is how she I wasn't particularly likable in Melancholia. Yeah. And that's... No, this well, is... she's been that way since Interview of the Vampire. So clearly she's been that way since she was like 12. <laughs> <laughs> we're, t- we're totally dumping. Wait, hold on. Now. James Morrison's in this movie? Yeah. Does he okay. does he find love in this movie? Because that man has the worst trouble. <laughs> yes, that man <laughs> does have the worst luck in film. <laughs> He is as obnoxious as all the women here. He the best. No, the that's actor, so bad to hear. I'm sad to hear that. The the best. He is the jock, basically. James Marsden is the jock in this movie. The best part of this movie is Adam Scott, well, who is the only likable character in this movie. And if that is disturbing to you, steer clear of this movie. Well, Adam Scott, I love Adam Scott. So that. Well, Adam, yeah. He's well, cool. I mean, it may. That's, he's that's he's the Mark only. Young guys in the same movie. But, okay, so basically, Marcus, between <laughs> between Adam Scott being in this movie, your girlfriend liking Killer Joe, and the fact that Lizzie Kaplan's waving her arms around, I feel like I need to see the Bachelorette. I think that's what I. I you see it. You just convinced him to him. see it. Yeah. See, I I I, I actually kind of want people to see this. And just, you know, go, hey, you know, I agree with you, Marcus, because I'm not (laughs) – I've been – I I, after my my whole – the whole Bridesmaids fiasco, I've been (laughs) kind of uh, pigeonholed and and made out to be some kind of, like, I love Hangover or something like that, and I hate Bridesmaids, and that's not the case. Hey, wait a minute. I love Fish was in Hot Rod and The Lookout. True on both counts, and she's good on those movies. Wait, she was in The Lookout? Yeah, she's in The Lookout. Yeah. The Lookout, is she the, that, that, that is a good movie, yeah. The Lookout's another strong J- Jiggles movie, right? Jiggles, yeah, I love that movie. And, well, uh, I don't know about love. And, uh, Very good. Call me an Isla Fisher fan. And uh, Wedding Crashers. 
Yes. Yeah, uh, and she's right. Well, that was one of the exceptions. And she's, of course, there. married to Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Is she really? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Accurate. Watch, watch uh, Confessions of a Shopaholic. I, I hear Dawson. because Confessions of Shopaholics, a Jerry Bruckheimer production. I, what I've been told is that if Tony Scott directed it, it would have been one of the best movies of the year. I made that up. <laughs> That's not true at all. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, this bring this brings up a a, a thing where I, I I feel that people are so desperate for this raunchy all female comedy that they'll kind of eat up anything that gets put in front of them with four female leads. That are catty to each other. Let's uh, let's move on to Every another movie season. because I have something that's very right. that that's ex- echoing your exact thoughts right now. I saw okay. I saw a movie last week called For a Good Time Call. I can't afford an apartment by myself in the city. I have a place for you. Where? <gasps> you you. Hi. Sweetie, tell us some more about the new place. The apartment is spectacular. My roommate is whatever. Katie, there's no toilet paper. I love being slave. Yeah, put me in your cage. It's so big and it's just looking at me. Let me out. Gotta go. Bye. Your dad says hi. I get a dollar a minute for a phone sex line. Whatever they say, I just tell them I want to lick it. Okay, ew. You know, you're not better than me. You're not better than phone sex. I'm better than phone sex. Listen, the job we called you in for was filled this morning. I want to make a third of the profits and I'm not getting on the phone. It's strictly business. Ooh, I like a little fire in you. One eight seven seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rachel, it's Shmokayim again. Oh, billing, please. Billing. We've made twelve thousand dollars in three weeks. I don't want to be boring anymore. I should be our second operator. All right. Tell me what you're wearing, you dirty little slut. Oh, it's a cute dress from Cindy Vincent. Lauren. Hey, I thought we were gonna take this seriously, right? Have you guys seen the trailer for this movie? Yeah, I haven't even heard of it. For a good, yes, I have. For a good time call has two girls, two women. Uh, one's played by Ari Grainer, and the other's played by the writer of this movie, who I'm blanking on the name until I... Lauren Miller. <laughs> um, and it's it features... Um, okay, so these two girls, they both live in New York. They have... You saw this? I saw, when did you see this? I saw it last Tuesday, I think. Um, it comes out this oh. coming week. Um for people to not enjoy, because um, I hated it, which I'll get to. But basically, two girls. The movie poster looks awful. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. not direct. It's not being aimed at the whatever. Okay, so these two, so these two girls, they have a history in the past together where they don't like each other at all, but they're forced to become roommates because they both need a roommate, and they have a mutual friend played by Justin Long, who actually is funny in this movie. And what the Lauren character discovers about Eric Grainer's character is that she is a phone sex operator. She does a phone sex thing. And so the other one eventually teams up with her because she feels like she can make her business stronger. And that's where the movie goes from there. The stakes are very low. Just, well, she keep doing phone sex with people, blah, blah, blah. But what the, the, the thing about the, I guess the hook is that these girls, you hear their explicit phone sex conversations with the guys on the other end. And it feels like, yeah, there were women and bridesmaids talking all dirty last year. We should do that again with this movie. And that's what it feels like. And it's terrible. It's like there's one joke and they just stretch that out for like 90 minutes long. And it's just, it's funny like once. And the only like other humorous parts come from like the random cameos they have where like Seth Rogen's at one point, like on the other side of a phone sex line. And like, it's funny there because he's Seth Rogen's funny guy. And then he goes away and you're back to being with these boring characters again that, you know, just amounts to nothing. I really dislike this movie. It's one of my least favorite movies this year for a good time call. Don't call this movie. Don't see it. So, Do you think that it is a case of 
people being so desperate to see these female raunchy comedies? I would say because what I know about what I know about this movie is that it, it was it came out at Sundance and it was quickly okay. it was picked up quickly and turned around to come out just in time now. So I feel like the producers of the movie or the distributors of the movie feel like feel like because Bridesmaids was such a success last year that they yeah, didn't it, get a female comedy. It's around. typical Hollywood. They the, okay. a, a, a hit comes out and then they have to recycle it a million times. It has nothing to do with women comedies. You can say this about any hit that comes but out I in think Hollywood. That's the big thing right now, right? Is that the big thing that people are clamoring for? They want these women, female, buddy comedies. Well, that's what the studio distributors. Do. Because yes. Bridesmaids well, makes over two hundred million dollars, so you're like, well, yes. okay, we need to get another one out here. Stat, yeah. let's do it. What's next? Oh, here's one. Here's one. Let's pick this up. I think the real big thing is superhero movies, but yeah, the the after that maybe. I mean, well, not, yeah, I'm not saying that like this is the biggest thing, but I'm saying that's what that's what the the eyes of currently. It's a one it's it's one aspect yeah. of Hollywood right now is that they're doing this kind of thing. Yeah. But there's a lot of same, types of yeah, movies same with like yeah, like found, found found footage movies or right exactly. Strike all the iron footage movies is for normal activity four. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Speaking of Ari Grainer, and also Marcus, your feelings on Bachelorette. I actually saw Celeste and Jesse Forever, and I kind of have that same feeling of I I wonder if uh, I saw this with a female and I could bounce ideas off of her if they like Celeste and Jesse Forever, which is a film written by uh, Rashida Jones of The Office and Parks and Rec fame. Uh, among other things. I mean, her dad is Quincy Jones. What are you two doing? What do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean? You guys have been separated for six months. You're getting divorced. And you spend every day together as if, like, it's no big deal. We are separated and we're friends. It's the perfect breakup. Sorry. Beth is so angry. Yeah, she is uber angry. Yeah. You're cute. Love you. Love you. You and Jesse are clearly not ready to let go of each other. I do think you should start dating. I'm fine. I have a date tonight, actually. Oh, my God, my ex is here. No, but you should leave. I'm not going to leave. It's too late now because he's here now. Hey! This is going to be hard to believe, but but I met another person. Wait, what? I'm so sorry, Celeste. Are you okay? I'm totally fine. Uh... Are you having regrets about Jesse? What? No. If you ever need, like, someone to be with you and, like, hold you and caress you, I think I could be that guy. No. Good, good, good. Did you even know he was seeing someone? He barely knows her. Thank Rash. <laughs> Is this about a girl? I'm not gay. No, I know I, know I meant a boy. He's just going about everything so wrong. You want to be right? You want to be happy? Do you love her? Do you think it's weird we hang out all the time? No, you're my best friend. You're my best friend, too. Yeah, I kind of didn't like that movie. I thought that it was, like, going with a lot of weird romantic relationship hipster vibes um and i know that she probably wasn't going for the hipster vibe but it just it just seemed a lot of like a lot of cliches rolled up into one uh, about you know people who had been married for six yeah. years who get divorced and then they decide well maybe it's not over but it's really over kind of thing 
Um, and I, I was going into it with high hopes because, you know, Rashida Jones, I like her work, and she had written this film with Will McCormick, who was also in the film. And Andy, uh, Andy Samberg is the co-star, right? The co- Andy Samberg is the co-star, and I, I just felt as though, like, he's playing a more serious role in here. There's, like, some funny moments, but it's not, like, Hot Rod or any other films that he's ever done. Um, but it's it, I just didn't like the overall film in itself, which was just... I wonder if, like, the feeling was lost on me um, because it, it was funny, yes, but it wasn't like, haha, that's hilarious. Um, and it was somber and it was trying to be serious. But, again, I just felt that it was going through all these, like, different uh, things that are, are elements of just things that you kind of want to have emotions for, but you know that they're just lame. And I think that it reminded me a lot of your best friend or my best friend's wedding and, um, and also uh, one of the other films that, that uh, Mark Hoban and I talked about earlier um, was Your Sister's Sister, which kind of deals with the subject of relationships among adults. And I think that Your Sister's Sister, although Mark and I didn't really like that that much, I felt as though that film handled that situation of relationships way better than this movie. And I think that's what this movie was trying to go for, which is like a serious play on what happens when we are divorced and what if we still have feelings for each other. And it's, it, it was just... Yeah, it was a kind of like a valiant effort, but at the same time, I was just thinking, is this just because I'm a dude, or is it because I just didn't like it? Um, and so I kind of wanted to. I, I want to see about, that thought bubble I, come up somewhere. Is this because I'm a dude? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I I actually just saw that one uh, as well. Um, oh, cool. And I did, I did go with my girlfriend again. She did. She she liked it. I was more in like the I kind of got lost. It kind of meandered a little bit near the end. Like they were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then I kind of just fell off. So yeah. I didn't necessarily. I liked it. It was much better than than whatever. Bachelorette. Called, like just Bachelorette. Bachelorette. But um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. There was a yeah, lot of stuff that just meandered, bad. and it was. Just, but I, I she just... really liked it. She she connected okay. with the. Okay. All right. So maybe it is because I'm confused. So, does um does Rashida Jones at some point make an adorable face? She, she makes does. A lot of them. Multiple. A lot of them. Does she make any other kind? <laughs> but she does. She does. She she's she has like three dramatic scenes, and they're all really done really well. All right. She, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, like when they're being very serious about the the subject and about just those two characters, the main two leads, it's actually pretty tender. And you know, I, I like the chemistry between the two on the screen. It's just more of it just felt cheap in, in a way that I know that they weren't going for and I hope that she doesn't take it the wrong way um, as a screenwriter it's just more of like I just didn't feel as though it was quote unquote real um, it's real man it's real But <laughs> I had more issues with the side characters with there was like a lot of these there was Elijah Wood is in it and he plays a gay side character and, uh, and his whole sole purpose in this movie is to bounce ideas off like he's the one yeah. that goes, no, 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 I don't think that's a good idea. No, 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 eh, listen to your gay side. Like it, it, that's his only purpose, and that was my. These are, there was another side character here that did nothing. They were, they were, all these yeah, weird like that the writer put in to make this movie go in the way, direction that they wanted to go. That was kind of, eh, you know, that one. That was more. That was more irritating to me than 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 anything else in this movie. Yeah, I agree with that, uh, which is just to say, like, I, I actually didn't really like Elijah Wood and his delivery of the lines in this movie. I know that's, like, a small thing, but it just, it felt really uh, not authentic compared to the other actors. 
Um, and then there is another character that's dragged in. Um, I think that you and I are talking about the same person who is a pop star. Um, yes. And that goes nowhere. That absolutely has very little relevancy toward the film. Yes. And it it kind of just, I guess, yeah, meander is the right word then, I guess, when, it, when I look back on it right now. It's just the film just meanders about these feelings um, when they could have just faced them head on in a very good way. It's an interesting premise. It's interesting for about 45 minutes. For me, it was interesting for about 45 minutes, and then it just kind of back and forth bit to a kind of average to below average in a way. Hmm. All right, so that's Celeste and Jesse forever. Let's uh, let's move on to another film. Uh, actually, Jordan, you've been hiding in the corner. What, what, what you have any oh. other movie you want to talk about? Um, the only other movie I saw was Paranorman, but you guys already talked. Well, did that. you love Paranorman? Oh, one of my favorite movies of the year. And uh, Mark, you weren't on last week. Did you? You saw Paranorman as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely uh, second that. It was it was wonderful. And Marcus, you have you seen it? You've seen it. Yeah, yeah. It was really it was funny. I was going to expecting like. Not that much, but it was really, really funny. There you go. More strong reviews for Paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate everything. <laughs> I didn't see it in uh, 3D, but I heard it was I, oh, pretty I did. solid. I, I saw it in 3D, and it was just it, – it makes another I, – I think I'm with Mark on this where 3D is just so unnecessary. Yeah, that's, so that's much how I awful. feel. It was just so unnecessary that – I said, you could take the 3D glasses off. I said in last week's show that I, I wouldn't think Paranorman's 3D is... It, it feels like, yeah, it feels it, do, it doesn't feel like it adds anything to it as compared to something like Coraline, where I actually think Coraline's 3D is among the better just 3Ds in general. Like, And that was before Avatar. It's just like, it's just it's a solid movie for 3D, I would say that, compared to Paranorman, because it was the same, yeah, the same studio. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Paranorman had some good twists and... Yeah. Um, it was funny. It had a fat, funny friend. Touching at times. Makes the movie. I'd recommend it to anybody. Someone on Twitter today referred to the ending of Paranorman, the final confrontation, as a Japanese RPG battle, which made me laugh quite a bit. And... <laughs> I like how uh, Jeff Garland plays a fat character, even in cartoons. <laughs> I like how you can fit two Anna Kendricks in the size of Anna Kendricks waste but uh, uh, let's uh move on i have one more thing i want to talk about but are there any other films that any of you guys want to bring up before we kind of wrap things up i'm gonna say that's a no then i'm gonna go right into it jaws came out on blu-ray last week Oof. and um, I've, i i like to think that we've all seen jaws or else we're gonna just kick that person off the phone call right now <laughs> i haven't seen it shut up jordan have we all we, okay jaws, any, did, jordan have you got the jaws blu-ray have you got oh yeah i got the best buy special book edition boom Nice. Mark, you recently got a Blu-ray player. Have you gotten the Jaws Blu-ray yet? I, I have not. Okay. It looks outstanding. It's, yeah, the transfer in Jaws is fantastic. It's, you know, Jaws was released to theaters for like a day. Yeah, too. yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I wish I could have caught that. But that said, I did watch Jaws recently, and that movie is just so good. Look, we depend on the summer people here for our very lives. You are not going and to have a summer unless you deal with this problem. We're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. I mean, we're going to have to tell the Coast Guard. Mr. Ford, we're going to have to contact the shark We're going to have to put extra deputies on because you we have to the world is going to come in here. Got I don't think one of you are familiar with our problems. Uh, I think that I am familiar with the fact that you are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the now, wait a second, wait a second. Chief. There are two ways to deal with this problem. Hey, you're either going to kill this animal or you're going to cut off its food supply. Larry, we have to close the beaches. 
I just it looks like it could have been filmed like this past year. It's a really it's a really solid transfer, especially for like an older film like Jaws, like that, like a movie like a uh, like North by Northwest, that Blu-ray, like those movies, like when they want to do good by uh, by those kinds of movies, they do good by them because they the, the transfer is so solid on Jaws, and like if anyone hasn't seen Jaws, this is the time to go and see Jaws. <laughs> like it's such a good movie, the original yeah. summer blockbuster. It's just everything about it. It's like a great horror movie. It's a great adventure movie. You got great performances, top-notch, memorable scenes. Oh, Robert Shaw is so gripping in that movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I recently watched uh, Robin and Marion with uh, Robert Shaw as well, and he's such a good actor. And the Sting is another good Robert Shaw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which also yeah. recently came out on Blu-ray, too. But, uh, yeah, just want to shout out Jaws, because it's not like that movie's not popular. <laughs> so. All right, I think we've been trailing on enough, given all our arguing about Expendables 2 and Killer <laughs> Joe that really have added things out. Those are great sketches, though. <laughs> I agree. But, Jeez, um, I really want to see Killer Joe. Sure. <laughs> I, I really want to see Bachelorette and Lizzie Kaplan waving her arms around. But we'll see. <laughs> you should wave her, wave your arms around when she waves her arms around. I have two giant foam fingers in my room, so I will put those on while I yeah. wave my arms around. It'll be like a drinking yeah. game where I can't grab the cup like, because just count. Yeah, fingers. you'll be you'll be gone about thirty minutes. I'll soak the foam fingers in vodka so I can just suck on it. Yeah, it'll be an amazing <laughs> drinking game. Let's uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about next week. We're not quite sure. Uh, we have Lawless and the Possession come out next week. I'm interested in both. We'll see. See what Abe wants to do. Um, yeah. Although that said. Along with those two movies, which both open in over 2,000 screens, we also have Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. I don't know what that is, but I want to see it. I have you seen? I oh my god, Oogie Loves in, Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. Have you seen the cast? No, I haven't. Where's the, oh, I gotta look this up right. Tony oh my Braxton. Gosh. It's got Tony Braxton, the um, America's Treasure, Chaz Palminteri, Chris. What's the guy um from Back to the Future? Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Ellis. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> Jazz Paul Materi. Chloris. I'm Lee. sure it has uh, Haley Joel Austin too. <laughs> okay, well, cl- clearly we. It, it's a little. I think it's from the same studio that brought you the Teletubbies. It's, so. Okay, here's the description. It's, and Paranorman. <laughs> it's it's Sleuthy's birthday, and the Oogie loves Gooby, <laughs> Zuzi, and Toofy, along with their friends J. Edgar. Okay. Windy Window and Ruffy are organizing a party. Shh, it's a secret. Everything is going along just perfectly until J. Edgar, damn that J. Edgar, trips and loses the last five magical balloons in lovely Loveville. Oh no, the <laughs> the Oogie Love set out to find their magical balloons in time to save their friend's party. Along the way, they meet some very interesting characters, including Dottie Rounder, Bobby Wobbly, Milky Marvin, Rosalie Rosebud, and Lolo Lero Sombrero. <laughs> Wow. Can't just made that up. There's not a character called J. Edgar in this movie. Yes, there is. It says J. Edgar. Can these new Edgar? friends help them recover the magical balloons and get them back to the cottage in time to celebrate Sluffy's surprise birthday? Somebody's got to watch this. In this, somebody's that person's gonna be Jordan. Who's, okay, who's gonna watch it? Somebody's got to watch it and report. And... J. 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 Edgar is voiced by Nick Drago. I don't know who that is, but he sounds even more intriguing than most of the people in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Abe, I know you're like you're just obviously not saying anything because you're too excited to see it. <laughs> yeah, and I was actually touching himself. I was like, Chad Palminteri? Oh man, I've got to go and put on my shoes right now. The Bronx Tale and Usual Suspects. This might be the best role that he's. Ever I know played. Bronx Tale and and his cameos on The Simpsons. Fantastic. Oh my god, magnifique. So there's also um a VHS coming out, which I'm really looking. Oh yeah, forward. VHS does come out too. I'm looking forward to that as well. 
I think it's a video on demand on like Thursday or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had seen uh, uh, a trailer for that and it looked kind of interesting. I've specifically avoided trailers for that because I just try to movies like really? movies like that that have like that kind of un, that online buzz. I kind of just, just kind of stay away from stuff just because I don't. The trailer, the trailer. I don't think the trailer gives. You know, well, I mean. Yeah, I know, but it's got like we'll see. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like the para, paranormal trailers I used to avoid, but now that since they you know filmed so much and don't use any of it yeah. in movies, I'm like fine with it. So I saw the paranormal activity trailer finally, and I'm like, oh, all right, that's you know, they're on Skype. Yeah, that, it, they, yeah. There could be a ghost yeah. in our room right now if we turn on video Skype chat, but we're not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to take the chances. Yeah, yeah, I don't take chances, Biggie Smalls. But um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I made I made I made a six year old oh. South Park joke just. Like, <laughs> Let's uh let's let's wrap this one up, guys. I uh yeah. So uh next week we'll talk about something. We'll always VHS and the movies. And we also have our you know we'll do our we'll figure out our summer wager, um podcast too. We'll figure we'll figure out how that's gonna go and schedule that one out. So that'll be coming soon. I'm excited. I want to know how it all turned out. I I'd like to see that Abe lost. I like to you know he feels he, I think he's so smug because he picked Avengers. To I don't know. No, no, no. That, that's not it. I think that everyone has a pretty good chance because we all. Have so many films in here that because GI Joe screwed us. That's why we all have a good well, not that, but like you know, all the animated films and all the dark horses that we've selected. It's actually going to be. I'm actually very curious to see what how we all end up to. It's going to be a rigorous point adding process that I'll have to embark on. But I'll get it done. Okay, so, Excel formulas. Yeah. So anyway, that's going to do it this week for out now, Baron and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodeisique.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for all my various blue reviews and coverage. I actually got. A pretty cool event covered last week that I'll kind of link to, I guess, maybe. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Aaron's PS3. Abe? Uh, you find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Mark? You can find more of my work on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.wordpress.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. Jordan? DanDirtyBlog.blogspot.com. Uh, and Marcus? You can follow me on Twitter at uh, MoviesMarcus, and uh, you can look for me on Examiner.com or MoviesWithMarcusOnline.blogspot.com. Great. You can, of course, find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, also at HHWLOD.com. You can find all the episodes of the show there, as well as episodes of the other shows, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, Legion of Dudes, and other shows with these cool guys that are happy enough to have us on with them. They talk about comics and games and fun stuff. It's cool to be a part of their network. Also, outnow.podomatic.com. You can find most of the newest episodes and some exclusives. I actually just put up an exclusive that Abe helped, was kind enough to help me out with. Um, also, outnowpodcast.gmail.com. What are your thoughts? Who saw Killer Joe and agrees with us one way or the other? I want to I hear those emails. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everything else, too. We talked about a lot of things today. I mean, what do, do people really hate Marcus now because of his views on The Bachelorette? Who knows? <laughs> well, you can, nobody, nobody hates Marcus. Nobody hates just, Marcus. Everyone hates, you disagree with him. Yeah, everyone, everyone hey. hates Abe. And, you know, it's, it's slightly, <laughs> well, slightly well, Jordan. No, no. Yeah, come on. Dion is on my side. Dion's on, yeah. Dion's your one fan. If you know there are more fans of Abe, email. You know, we like, we like to see him. But yeah, outnowpodcast at gmail.com, or of course you can also comment, message, whatever, at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. We post all the latest updates there. We have, you know, tons of stuff going on in those areas. So, you know, feel free to add on or, you know, check it out, what have you. Follow us, like us, good stuff. Uh, thanks, guys, for coming on tonight. I know it's kind of late right now, so thanks for sticking around and talking all this. Thank you. 
It's been fun. Thank you for having us. For sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it this week. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Kisses. wasn't already lit his genitals on fire.